Hey guys, this is Matt Powell. It recently came to my attention that Steve McRae, the man who's considered to be the most controversial atheist on the internet, has come out and promoted and supported a known pedophile and a sex offender, somebody who harmed a little child. Steve McRae had him on his show for an interview and promoted his material and was trying to tell the world how logical and how smart this convicted pedophile was. He kidnapped her using a stolen car, pretending to be a police officer, and forcibly raped her uh, armed with a firearm. His current accusations are due to two daughters of uh, his accusing him of molesting them in 2002 and an epic. Uh, the, uh, the case was reopened in 2017. So, wow. No stinking acts. Okay, that's distracting. Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Brett Keen. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can support us by buying our music, our art, our t-shirts, as well as our books. You can also support us with a one-time donation through PayPal. All links are in the description. If you have access to Spotify, you can listen to my radio station in your car, on your stereo, on your computer, anything that has internet access. God bless. I think we're going to do it like this and put you over there. How's that look? Fine. All right. So your name is Cindy Lincoln. And tell me a little bit about uh, what inspired you to get into Christianity. How long you've been a Christian? That is my favorite story. I got saved in 1984. And I was 22 years old. So I'm going to be 60 this year. And when I was a little girl, my dad always used to take me to um, national parks like Yosemite, the Grand Tetons. We went whitewater rafting down the Snake River. He only saw us once a year, and so he wanted to make it special. And so I could see the glory of God's creation. And I knew that there was a God somewhere. And I could tell when you drive from like the parks back home to the city, God made it good and we screwed it up because when you get into the city, it just isn't as pretty at all, you know, and you see things that are, that ruin it. So I knew there was a God, but I thought he was not knowable. 
I thought he was way far out there somewhere and that nobody could ever see him or know who he was. And my stepdad told me that not to ask, there are no ants, there are no questions because there are no answers or something like that. He was into Buddha or something at that time. So anyway, I was a little bit mad because I said, well, how's God going to hold us accountable if he never shows up? If he never tells us what he wants? And then um, somebody was at my work and she used to read the Bible in between calls. We were phone operators and in between calls, she would read her Bible. And I asked her one time, uh, what do I have to do to get to heaven? And I thought, okay, you have to go to Africa as a missionary. You have to stop sleeping with your boyfriend. And I thought, well, I'm not interested in any of those. And so I thought, well, religion isn't for me. But she said, so when I asked her, she said, well, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And I went, I don't know. I've heard that. And she said, do you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? And I said, I've heard that. I don't know. And then she said, do you believe he rose again from the dead on the third day? And I said, I've heard that. And she said, that's it. And I said, what? I don't have to stop sleeping with my boyfriend and go to Africa as a missionary? And I said, tell me, where does it say that in the Bible? And she pointed me to Romans. I started reading Romans. And actually, I started reading voraciously because it was speaking to me. And um I remember when I found the verses that said, it's just by faith, which means believing in something you cannot see. Uh, I remember calling up my mom and going, mom, mom, do you know that all you have to do is believe? And um, I since found out that yes, but even the demons believe and shudder. You have to believe and you have to let him be your Lord. You have to let him tell you what to do. But um, then, so I read that that's what it said. And then a little while longer, I was walking down the sidewalk. I remember exactly where I was. And suddenly the thought occurred to me about AD and BC. And I realized that Jesus is how we count our entire calendar. And that he was historical. He was a human being who walked on the earth as a person in history, and that he was not a fairy tale. He was not some far away pie in the sky thing. And I just went, this God that I always saw in creation came to earth? Are you kidding me? And I was just so excited. I started yelling, yelling or not yelling, but kind of like jumping up and down-ish I was alone, but so I wasn't that crazy, but that's how I felt on the inside. And I started calling everybody and telling them. And, um, 
Like I said, that how was old my... were you during uh, whenever you first started hearing about this? Uh, 1984. I was born in 62, so I would have been 22. Yeah. And my fire has not stopped since then. That's why I moved to Dinosaur Adventureland. Because um, even though I originally just told you I didn't want to be a missionary to Africa, I didn't want to stop sleeping with my boyfriend. Once I had that uh, epiphany, everything changed. From then on, I, I wanted... I was afraid and I wanted to stop sleeping with my boyfriend. Of course, he broke up with me and that was over. And I wanted to go to the mission field. I wanted for 30 years to be a missionary. And Dinosaur Adventureland was the answer to that 30-year prayer. I thought. I didn't realize that uh, the uh, dinosaur land was that old. It's not. It's not. Um. It started in 2016. So I wanted to be a missionary for 30 years, but I couldn't. I married poorly twice. And I thought they were Christians. I met them in Bible study, but they were not interested in missions. And you're supposed to submit to your husband, so you don't go. Um, but in 2016, uh, my second husband was on a restraining order. My daughter was out of state left for college, not coming home, met a man. And then my son had already gone home to be with the Lord. And so I was like, I'm free. I could go. So I started looking. I was going to maybe teach English in China, maybe do an orphanage in Africa or an orphanage in Haiti. And I was too scared to do any of those alone. And so... Um, when I was teaching preschool one time, a little girl wanted her mommy to be saved. She had believed and she wanted her mommy to believe and her mommy was not interested and told me not to, to teach her about God anymore. And that, um, this was in my home, mindly, mind you, it was in my home. It was not a public preschool where you're not allowed to teach them about God. I had advertised as a Christian preschool. But um, her mom said, the Bible is a fairy tale. Stop teaching my little girl. And so that night I Googled Bible proofs and I found Kent Hovind and was very interested in the message because I'm a science major. I'm a teacher's. I have a master's in education. And um, the whole science, creation science, fascinates me and I had already been familiar with it through Henry Morris um, so I thought wow I'd love to go there and long story short I went there loved it went home sold everything and drove across the country from California to make my dream come true and hopefully be sold out for the Lord and How long do you stay at Dinosaur Land? Five years. How long were you married? Three. So I had lived there for two years before I married Kent. And part of me would say, 
um, biggest mistake of my life. But part of me would say, the Lord is going to use this for something good. I think he put me there to expose him. So no more people will go there and get hurt. For such a time as this is how it says in um, the book of Esther. Did you get to help a lot of people whenever you were serving dinosaur land? Yes, it was the best time in my life for the first three years. The two years before I married Kent and the first year of our marriage were the, I mean, I thought I was living my dream. And then I discovered that there was a cover-up going on at Dinosaur Adventureland and Kent turned on me and there started to happen abuse and it was the worst hell of my life. I um, I don't know if I'm incorrect about this, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've watched a lot of your videos and even though you seem extremely irritated and aggravated about what has happened, there still seems to be this really powerful love you seem to have. Yay. Thank you for saying that because people do say, you're a bitter woman. But, you know, I was actually going to ask you that before we went on live. If somebody, okay, let's say you do something really nice for somebody. Let's say you give them your all and they turn on you and tell everybody on their 10,000 viewer YouTube channel that you're a, a greedy bitch, a bipolar idiot, um, whatever else he's called me. Is it possible that it's normal to not be angry well, Cindy, I don't know if you know this. I've said this countless times in the 20 years I've been on YouTube and on video. I actually do suffer from bipolar manic depression. I do have severe depression. So I would hate to look at myself in the mirror and say, Brett, because you have this issue, you're just stupid. Now, it just wouldn't make sense, would it? Actually, that's what the police officer said. Okay, so at one point, Kent was trying so hard to shut me up because I knew the truth that he wanted to cover. He called the sheriff and tried to 5150 me. Do you know what that is? Nope. You guys have a totally different language down there than Missouri does. We got our own culture too. Well, 5150 is what they call it in California, but in, and in Texas, it's called the Baker act. I think I I've had three different people talk to me about it from three different States. Essentially it's where, your family members can have you committed. Kent was going to try and get me committed and medicated. If you knew who I really was, you would realize how evil that is. Because simply getting angry for being lied to, gaslit, slandered, stolen from, has nothing to do with bipolar or disorder. And my dad has bipolar as well. Um, but that the sheriff said to me, Cindy, first of all, bipolar is not crazy. Second of all, bipolar is not something you get committed for. He said, if you had seen some of the crazies that I've seen running around saying that, you know, I'm Jesus Christ, or I actually had Kent attracts quite a few crazies. And there was this one crazy woman that came and she was 
she had, she laid hands on one of my friends. She was getting scary. And I stepped in between them and told her to back off essentially. And she said she was going to chop my head off and electrocute me. <laughs> okay. That's crazy. That's maybe 5150. Uh, Cindy, no, I, I, Cindy, may I point out something real quick? Because I, I know you haven't had the opportunity to watch a great deal of my videos. Um, one, an irony, my mother's name was Cindy. I don't know if you realize that. No. She was also she was also uh, severely bipolar, manic depressive. And because she didn't take care of herself very well, she ended up, if a person does not take care of themselves or they're in a really dramatic environment, it can affect them. And she got to the point where she was actually hallucinating. She lost her mind and then eventually killed herself. So bipolar oh, man yeah. depression can be very, very uh, traumatic for someone. So I don't know who the cop was that you spoke to, but it can. A person can live a good life if they're stabilized. But if they're going through major problems, yeah, yeah, it could, it could hit them hard, just as I told you. But, but go ahead. wouldn't be eligible for being locked committed involuntarily would she my my mother actually did uh, have to go into the psychiatric ward she went on stress units uh, the family wasn't trying to hurt her or cause her problems but they were concerned she would hurt herself and it was actually inside of one of the placements that she went in where she did she got a hold of a uh, another patient's insulin a diabetic and then used it on herself okay yeah I guess that and in fact, my dad, my dad did get straight jacketed more than once, but I don't think they forced him to be medicated. Maybe they did. I don't really know. But the point was that this officer, I had called him on numerous occasions on Kent and he knew me well enough to know that I was not a candidate for being locked up involuntarily. And, uh, and like you said, Bipolar and idiot are two different things. Oh, no. A lot of leaders, a lot of great people who've done fantastic things to revolutionize the world, scientists, preachers, have had the condition, and they uh, were considered almost like that of a genius. But yeah. if, if you don't take care of yourself, if a person's going through a lot of intensity, more stress than they can handle, well... Hell, that could happen with a person who doesn't have bipolar, right? Well, I think that's what happened the night of the body slam. I had never behaved like that before in my life, but I was pushed to the absolute limit. And I still, both Joanna and I still have PTSD and flashbacks and just trauma when we have a memory. Like I will still have a hot flash if I have a certain memory or if I see a certain sight that reminds me of all what he did to me. And now, yes, I've seen, I've severe seen depression. Different. There's oh. one of the commenters is saying that he also has severe depression. And when I first left Kent Hovind and my dream and the family that I had come to be part of there and my mission, I probably cried every day for close to a year. Couldn't do much else except for sleep. I mean, I was just crying and sleeping. I was totally despondent. Um, it was like a death. 
it's like a death. I don't know if you've ever lost a loved one. When I lost my son, it was very similar. I could do nothing but cry and sleep for about six months. Kent was yeah, unfortunately, I've uh, been to a lot of funerals with relations and friends, so I understand it. It feels like a piece of your soul is being ripped out. Yeah, well, and in fact, marriage is supposed to be two becoming one. And Kent was supposed to be my husband. He was my husband. And he was supposed to be my one flesh. And so when you rip that off, you're bleeding. And you're missing half of your body. You know? So, yeah. So, Cindy, I, uh, I've listened to a couple different versions of the recording. I listened to one that sounded like it was edited on another channel. As where your channel has like the full audio of what's happening. Now I have to. I ask- wanted to get rid of the parts where I was asking him to leave because he told the judge that he was trying to leave, but that I wouldn't let him. <laughs> so Kent is a pathological liar and massive storyteller. I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the things he says. How far? How polar opposite to reality that they actually are. If you don't, if you don't mind, uh, I noticed that there were some people who were asking questions about it, and I I understand that you're kind of you've got a lot of things going on in your life, and you can't respond to every single comment, or maybe you didn't notice it. But the person was asking in the audio, um, it sounded as though he came in, he was very quiet and calm speaking. He was saying. I'm recording you because I feel the need to protect myself. That's what it sounded like he said. And it also sounded as though he advised you to record the conversation as well, according to the audio recording. Now, it sounded as though you were getting very angry. Now, you understand, I wasn't there, and anybody that's listening, they're not there. They just hear someone, one person, sounding as though they're coming off calm, And it sounded as though you were getting more frustrated, more frustrated. The tone got louder. It sounded as though things were being banged on. What was happening in this conversation? Because we couldn't see it visually. I'm really glad you asked that because that's Kent's main MO is to remain calm. And he will remain calm while he is knowingly pushing your buttons. He was intentionally trying to set me up with that recorder so that I would do what I did and he could get it on tape and prove that I was a bipolar idiot and therefore uncredible as a witness to disclose his cover-up. So um, the thing with the recording is he had been recording me against my wishes for close to a year at that point. The very first one happened during our marriage counseling He recorded our very first marriage counseling session without telling me or the the marriage counselor, which is unethical and illegal in California. And when I found out that he had recorded it, not to mention he had intentionally uh, gaslit and provoked me during there too. I ended up at the end of that marriage counseling session curled up in a ball crying because, and And when when Kent went to the bathroom, the marriage counselor said to me, Cindy, he will not allow you to make a valid point. He will not. 
you basically have to love it or leave it. And obviously I wasn't willing to leave my marriage at that time. And I thought there was a misunderstanding. I didn't realize he was intentionally trying to provoke me. But um, anyway, so the whole recording thing was a hugely sore spot. He was doing it against my wishes. And I have a little more appreciation for that now that I've been doing interviews, because whenever I do an interview, generally I ask, would it be okay if I record it as well and put it on my YouTube channel? And if someone were to say to me, no, in fact, I had one person who did say that, no, I don't want you to have um, the recording. I want to have exclusive control over it because it was going, it's going to be in a movie. And so I'm like, okay, but the thought of recording somebody against their wishes, I mean, think about that for a minute. How would you feel if, if you said, no, I really don't want to be recorded and the person's shoving it down your throat? I've had uh, tons of non-believers talk to me in private, pretend to be my friend, and then record uh, personal conversations of me. I understand how that can be very irritating and it feels as though there's betrayal. However, there's another, also another perspective I look at it, especially whenever it comes to Christians. I've noticed that there's a lot of videos out there, not just with you and him, but where when people engage him, where they come off threatening, at least in his perspective, he immediately pulls out his phone recorder because I, I get this idea or this impression because he's famous he doesn't want people taking him out of context or he feels like he's in danger somehow. I've seen a lot of people do that where they just pull out their recorder because they're afraid that the person's going to get them in some kind of way. Yes, and also to intimidate the person. Um, it's not just self-protection. It's, And it does instigate. He's trying to instigate. Um, an example, okay, so there's. I, I want to finish answering the question that you asked, but I, I think I have an important point of instigation. Can you, can you do me a favor real quick, Cindy? Sure. I, my wife brought me some tea, and unfortunately it's having an effect on me. May I use the rest area real quick and be right back? <laughs> Give you an opportunity to you know, relax, think for a moment. Plus you got some people out here who seem to be uh, uh, supportive. Uh, explain to them also why it is that I'm not letting people in and it's just us, if you'd like. I'll be right back, all right, Cindy? Okay. And I appreciate you coming in, by the way. Be right back. Thanks. I see uh, Pastel B has a comment that says, I think something's wrong with the description. I can't find the link to enter the chat. But actually... I think you're in the chat because I can see that. But one thing that he just said about why he's not letting other people in, I really don't know because he didn't tell me. And I, I'll, I'll explain it real quick and then I'm going to go okay. do my thing. I, I'm really holding it. I'm tying myself in a knot here. But here's the deal. <laughs> this, this is meant, Cindy, for you to be able to tell your side and what's going on in your heart. If I bring in a bunch of people and people start talking about video games and all kinds of other topics, it's going to throw off your ability to be able to have a conversation about what's in your heart. You understand? So, yeah, that's nice. So we could just have the convo first and then do Q&A second. 
Yeah, people can, they're in the text chat. They can ask questions if they like. I just don't want people coming in here, getting on the mic, our trolls and yelling and screaming and all that. I always have public shows, but right now it's it's just you and I. Is that okay? Okay, but I still see things popping up. Speaking of trolls, take a look at Bonnie Moore. Steve Lynn, Kent's tech guy, has a million different aliases, and he's always trying to go in there and um, discredit me. And Kent has well, I'll be right back. trolls doing the same thing. Oh, if you want to, while I'm away, talk a little bit about some of your beliefs. Uh, uh, explain a little bit about the specifics about what you're into. Talk about your channel, if you like. Be right back. Okay. Well, I do still believe much of what Kent Hovind teaches, believe it or not, except for his um, dismissal of women, his meanness towards atheists. But what I mean is uh, the young earth creationism, I do still believe that the, the Bible is true and that um, the whole millions of years thing is not, it is eventually, I believe, going to be shown to be fallacious. Um, a couple of us are working on the whole radiometric dating thing and other ways that those millions of years of readings can be affected by other things. Um, it's In fact, I have a video on my YouTube channel about what lightning does to radiometric decay rates. And if you didn't know this, lightning can actually be caused by earthquakes and by volcanoes, not just by thunderstorms, all of which would have been present during Noah's flood, which could have altered the decay rates of carbon-14. Um, I'm not that much, I'm not a scientist in the radiometric field. All I did in that video was uh, quote other science uh, journals, science um, peer-reviewed journals. Uh, what else? I really, I started to read KLP's comment, pretending to be calm to make someone come off as the bad is very typical abuser tactic. Yes. So is calling someone crazy. It's like a mafia. I mean, if you look into narcissism, it's all textbook narcissism. But people who don't have any experience with narcissists and narcissistic abuse, they believe the calm person. And in fact, they tell you when you go in the courtroom, no matter what they say to you, no matter how many lies they tell, you cannot lose your cool because they will just automatically believe the cool person. So I'm learning to keep my cool. At first, when you're married to a preacher and you think he's a godly man, gaslighting and intentional provocation is so shocking. 
And like Brett was saying about you feel betrayed, you are betrayed. That it has the effect of making you furious. But once you realize over time, once it finally sinks in that that's who the person is, there's no misunderstanding, there's no changing them, they really are just a liar and they really never loved you. They just, you were just an object. Once you finally get that through your head, then you can listen to their lies and kind of shrug them off and not get into a rage over it. The other thing that was happening the night of the body slam, that was October of 2020, right when Kent started saying, what contract? We don't have a contract. And when I showed him the contract, he said, oh, well, that contract's not legally binding, even though he had his signature on it and I'd already given him the money. I don't know if you all know about the whole contract thing, but Kent and I had a contract for $130,000 where he was going to pay payments for 20 years. Um, he was going to make payments to me for 20 years in exchange for me taking the proceeds of my house sale and investing it into Dinosaur Adventureland. Well, he worded the contract in such a way that it would uh, have loopholes. I'm back. Hi, brother. Um, oh, I was talking about the provocation a little bit. One of the big provocations um, that was escalating during the body slam was that he had just started what they call anticipatory breach, where you're anticipating that they are going to breach your contract. And... Um, we had a contract where I agreed to invest $130,000 into Dinosaur Adventureland if Kent would make payments over 20 years that would be basically my livelihood. Because when I sold my California property, um, that was my livelihood. I was getting a rent check. That's a, that is a question that I noticed some people were asking as well, if you don't mind me asking. Now, you had said that uh, you had sold everything where you were located, right? Everything except my house, yes. I sold all the all my belongings, but I kept my house and I rented it out, and that's how I was a self-supporting missionary. Now, if hopefully this isn't too personal of a question, but it, it sounded almost as if some of the interviews I listened to in videos as though there was almost 200 thousand dollars in this and some of us out there we can't even dream of ever seeing that no. kind of money where if you don't mind where did this kind of money even come from in the first place to make a deal like that well after i had been at dinosaur adventureland for three years and i had been married to kent for one year um my trust was at its height and i loved the ministry i loved my husband and i wanted to give uh, I wanted to be a I wanted to be sold out like he was for Christ and give everything and I also wanted to stop having the California property tax bill it was almost five thousand dollars a year for the property taxes on my home oof 
And so I decided to sell my California home and get Alabama properties. And so when you sell a home in California, it's worth a lot of money. But what that property represented to me was lifelong income. Um, I was getting $2,000 a month in rent, and that was enough to support me. And so my goal was to um, get enough real estate in Alabama to, to duplicate that $2,000 a month lifetime income. And um, so I had bought my first property and it only paid 700 a month. Alabama rents are a lot lower. So I was going to have to buy another property to get the balance of the 1300 And I thought I had a great idea. I said, honey, what if I, instead of buying another home, what if I just invest the money in Dinosaur Adventureland and then you give me a rent check? And so... I guess in answer to your question, it was from the sale of my California home. And my goal was to be able to tithe 10% of that to Dinosaur Adventureland and give, give a lot, but then replace my income of 2000 per month, my lifetime income, so that I would never be a burden to the ministry and so that I could remain self-supporting Well, I appreciate you uh, answering that. I know that that's very personal. People don't tend to like to talk about their finances and social media. So um, one of the main contentions I've seen that some Christians have had out there in the comments is they state, uh, you've made it very clear that you are wanting to expose ungodliness, the abuse, the evil, and all this, which is commendable. I, I think anybody would agree on this. But the issue it seems like some Christians have had is some of the people that you chose to do interviews with, such as the non sequitur, who mock God, Jesus Christ, on a daily basis. They also had a host that was originally a, um, a person who was found to be a rapist. Did you know that? Sure did not. Holy. Yeah, they, yeah, they had a host on there and Steve. Oh, McCray I do remember Steve saying that Kyle was convicted of rape. No, Kyle he, Curtis was a, an atheist who stole a bunch of money from their podcast that they were making and left him out to dry, Steve, left Steve McCree out to dry. There was another man, though. I forget what the guy's name was, but there was a huge dramatic thing for the last two years about how he was being what a lot of atheists referred to as a rape apologist, where he tried to defend the guy, even though he knew for a fact the guy didn't just rape, but he kidnapped a girl and took her out somewhere and did this, and it was all, uh, it's all recorded. Yeah, yeah, someone that he was having on the show. So did when he know that at the time? Huh? Did yes, McCray Steve McCree has known that for the last couple of years. If, no, no, if no. Did, in, he know, did he know it while he had him on his, as a partner? Yeah, he defended team. him. If you, uh, when you have an opportunity, you don't have to do it right now, but just type in uh, Steve McCree, rape apologist, and you're going to see that he was, he was pretty much dogpiled by the atheist community for doing this. 
because he was one of these guys who liked to go over to Twitter and say, oh, I go against the churches for all the pedophilia. But then he had a guy like this that he considered his best friend that he was defending and supporting, knowing that the guy had a record for that. You see what I mean? Yeah. Did he think it was like in his past or that's like Kent Hovind. Kent Hovind does all that crap all the time. Oh, you're a pedophile. Well, that's in your past. That doesn't matter. I mean, he doesn't even. So could you, what, what I'm trying to point out though, Cindy, is there's no way you, you could know. I mean, your, your agenda obviously is you want to get the story out about what happened with you and you don't know the history in the past of all the people that have engaged you or approached you. So that no. makes sense. But I, I felt that it's important to let you know why some Christians may have thought there was some suspicious things going on here. Yes. You get yes. That? Yes. I have never heard what you just said before, but I have heard many objections about me going to the atheists. But first of all, I never went to the atheists. They went to me. Well, I, I figured as much. <laughs> and they gave me, um, yes, they probably do have an agenda. They want to expose Kent Hovind for different reasons than I do. But um, they, like AJ, for example, and Steve McRae, they both were very familiar with narcissistic abuse and what it looks like. And a lot of Christians, when I tell them Kent's behaviors, they just say, no, that's that's crazy. That couldn't be true. You and, know, Steve McCree has been, uh, he got into it with a female host. And one of the accusations towards Steve McCree is that he's a narcissist. So you see the irony in it, uh, the how Christians are like, what the heck? Because yeah. before you came on, They've actually had me on the show. They tried to embarrass me, humiliate me, and they've done it to countless Christians. So whenever you got on there, people were wondering, is she actually a Christian? Is she an atheist? Is this some kind of some kind of game Steve McCree is doing? So I'm letting people know this right now, that you didn't have any no knowledge of what he was about. No, and I have... <sighs> Somebody actually approached me and said I shouldn't be going on your show either. And um, basically, I'm going to take the position to a certain extent that it's how can I research somebody and make a judgment? Oh, well, they're not worthy of me to go on their show. I mean, I just didn't feel right about it. And um like you said, well, it's, it's not about worthiness or anything like that. I'm not saying that we as people are higher or more superior in some way. I'm just trying to explain why some of the Christians may have gotten mm -hmm. nervous about the, the conversation. Um, yes. But you have also pointed out that you have attempted to go to Christians. You have approached Christians to try to tell the story, but some of them, well, would you like to explain what has happened? Yes, that's an understatement. Okay, the first time I discovered the cover-up and Kent accused me of lying and some other things, the first thing I did was go to the people who were regulars who had lived at the property and who um, knew me. They were like, uh, not authorities, just highly respected people 
at Dinosaur Adventureland. The first meeting had seven of those people there. And all seven of my witnesses told Kent Hovind, Cindy's not lying. This other guy is lying. He lies all the time. And we know for a fact that he gave drugs to the new converts, just like Cindy is saying, just like Kenny and Timmy are saying. And um, Kent called his crony Ernie Land and they basically ganged up on me and said that I was rebelling just like Cora rebelled against Moses that Kent was like Moses and that the earth was going to swallow me up and you know I was rebelling against the Lord's anointed and that all of the witnesses that were telling the truth better just shut up not talk about it don't talk to Cindy don't answer her texts block her and if you talk about it anymore, you'll all be kicked off campus, including Cindy. Cindy, can you do me a favor? Yep. I understand that you uh, you were there for almost like five years, and you know these people by name and all that. Yes. Try to understand that myself and many others who are watching from the outside, we don't know who some of these people are, what the context or association they have with Kent is. So if you say something like Ernie Land, can you describe a little bit about his association and how what his involvement in this anyway is so we can get a better picture? Does that make sense? Yes. Um, I only didn't do that because of brevity, but Ernie Land has known Kent for 20 or 30 years. You'll see him involved in Kent's uh, 2006 legal fiasco. Elizabeth Julie and, Ryan's mom. Um, sorry. Is um, that your phone? Yeah. I turned the volume. Boy, that sounded like a like a, one of them boat horns or something. I was like, uh oh, are we going on a ship cruise? <laughs> Jesus is coming, it's the trumpet. The trumpet sound. At the last trumpet. Anyway, um, Ernie Land is Kent Hovind's financier as well, okay? He handles all the donation money except the cash, which Kent puts in his little pocket. He owns everything. Ernie Land owns everything because Kent has an IRS debt. Therefore, he can't own anything or it would be confiscated. So Ernie is like Kent's alter ego and... um. Ernie is part of the cover-up. He did not honor our marriage. He did not honor the truth. He could not care less about the truth. He just wanted to shut me up because he's part of the cover-up. And then, um, yeah. Earlier in the conversation, we were discussing the audio about the physical altercation. Now, the word that is being used in this is body slam. Now, a lot of us out there who watch my channel, they know I'm big into like WWE and some of the old classic wrestling things. Would you define what, I, I hope this doesn't come off rough, define what you mean by a body slam? Because when we hear body slam, we're thinking Goldberg, pick a person up and just launch him across the room. What What is it to you? It's similar, but he didn't launch me. But 
Um, when I lunched for his phone, he somehow got my feet out from under me and then took his hand and put it on my chest and shoved me straight down onto the tile floor. He slammed me down intentionally in order to harm me. He told the judge that, oh, he just pushed, he just put his arm out. Well, he's told about five different stories. At one point he said he pushed me away in self-defense and that I hit the wall. And um, another time he said he just straight armed me to, to protect himself. Well, that wouldn't cause 14 different chiropractic adjustments necessary. He's, uh, and then he said, I tripped on the rug. And then he said, there was no rug. And then he said he, that I tripped on the stair. Well, the kitchen has no stairs. Um, like I said, he's a pathological liar, but he did, he, he studies martial arts and it was some kind of a move. I, I don't remember how he got my feet off the ground but I was essentially in a horizontal position instead of standing up. He kicked my feet out from under me somehow and then just slammed me down. And I got winded and I got several things out of joint. I, I couldn't breathe deeply. I could only breathe shallow. I couldn't lift. I couldn't twist. I couldn't bend. If you, I, I understand, I, kind of understand the uh the position that you're speaking of that uh you were put in why if you don't mind me asking you had said that you lunged at him for his phone why why was this so important to you that you felt that you needed to engage him like that for actually i didn't say that i lunged at him i lunged for his phone i was trying to grab his phone i didn't touch his body i i knew better than that because there was another occasion where um, something happened where I knew that he wanted to send me to jail. And so I knew if I touched him, he would call the cops and have me sent to jail. So all I did was try and grab his phone because he wouldn't stop recording me. And, you know, it wasn't just an objection to being recorded against my consent. It was an objection to why aren't you talking to me like a husband? Why aren't we talking love to love? Why aren't we negotiating this without insult? One of my commenters said they, they put the timestamp where I hit the ground and started um, wailing. And they said, the moment you realize that your entire marriage was a fake. So that's another reason why I was losing it because I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to have another divorce, but there was nothing I could do to reason with the man. I couldn't get through to him. I couldn't make him stop the charade. May I ask, what were you if he would have, what would have you wanted him to exactly say to you when these things were happening? What, what are the exact words that you feel would have made all this to stop? 
if he would have shut the recorder off and sat down and had a conversation with me. He was just trying to provoke me. And in fact, after the body slam was over and I went into my spare room and cried my eyes out, he took his little recording, his phone, and went out onto campus and started playing it for all the people there and saying, Cindy had another episode. I don't know what to do, brother. She's really nice most of the time, but it seems to go in cycles. Every few weeks, she just loses it and has these episodes. He was intentionally trying to paint me into... Have you ever seen the movie Gaslight? I've heard of it. I haven't watched it, though. It's a 1930s or 40s movie. And this man was intentionally trying to make his wife believe that she was crazy. And he was planning to lock her up so that he could steal all of her possessions. So you feel as though he intended on making you look crazy... So you'll get locked up, and then by some kind of legality, he'd be able to keep the money, is what you're thinking. Actually, um, well, probably, but primarily at the time I was thinking it was due to the cover-up, because I had discovered the cover-up, and he wanted to keep it covered. And I wasn't going to lie. And I wasn't going to just shut up and be quiet while he shunned me and told everybody on campus to shun me. What was the cover-up, if you don't mind me asking? Remember, I, I, I'm I not there, so I don't I don't see the whole context. You have to kind of okay. say it, draw it out for me a little bit. Okay. Well, um, the tech guy that you hear on the show every night, his name is Steve Lynn. And I had known him since 2016 as well. He came there just a short time before I did. And he was basically always a problem. He was always smoking pot. He was never working when everybody else was working. He was playing video games. He would um, lie and bully and just um, take credit for other people's work. Anyway, he got kicked off of campus for pot or some kind of drug. But when he came back, oh, this is, I'll try and make it a short story. Um, When he came back, Kent told me, oh, he's changed. Um... And he hadn't. He was just faking it. But so the drugs started coming up again. The lying started coming up again. Um, It turns out in August of 2021. Cindy, may may I ask you something? Yeah, I'm sorry. You were saying that the Steve Lynn, he... Uh, from what I'm hearing, he was playing a lot of video games. He was bullying people. 
uh, I suspect some intimidation probably. Yes, sir. Okay. So now you, you and Kent, from what I get from you guys hearing you and listen to you, you both seem like you're very forgiving people because of your Christian belief, right? Is it possible that Kent could have been manipulated by this guy to think that he actually changed? Or do you think he knew the guy was an idiot and just let him keep being that way? For the first year, I thought that Steve was pulling the wool over Kent's eyes. And I kept trying to have conversations with my husband. Honey, Steve should not have the passwords. He should not have the bank account numbers. And in fact, Mary told Kent the same thing. Kent's second wife, Mary, said Steve needs to be in rehab. And he should not be in control of the ministry money and stuff. So anyway, we, both Mary and I thought that Steve was just basically pulling the wool over Kent and Ernie. Well, at this point, very few people believe that anymore. Um, We now realize that Kent just plays dumb. But we have seen for the past five years that Kent likes to keep liars and drug addicts and pedophiles and thieves because they don't re- they don't get offended if he doesn't act like a Christian. And the real Christians who have a high standard of behavior and want to try and do things right, they will call Kent out and they will say, hey, you shouldn't be treating your wife like that or you shouldn't be allowing Steve to, you know, threaten people, intimidate people with a gun in his pocket. You shouldn't be allowing Steve to give marijuana to new converts who came to Dinosaur Adventureland to be clean. And so all of us who stood up and said, Kent, Ernie, this guy's got to go. Or at least don't give him the passwords and the bank accounts. And then it it became clear that there was an intentional cover-up. Kent doesn't want godly people there. We, Sorry, what I started to say was all the godly people who do the confrontation get kicked off campus. All right, Cindy, my next question is, I understand that you've had a lot of things going on in your life trying to get things going. Are you aware that there are some Christians as well as atheists out there who are stating that Kent Hovind may be suffering from uh, dementia. Have you ever heard this uh, rumor before? Um, Kent Hoven had about eight mini strokes while I was married to him. Where may I may I share something with you, Cindy? Yes, sir. Okay. According to what a stroke can do to a person, also causing a form of dementia. Some of the symptoms are this, and tell me if any of this sounds similar to what you may have experienced being there. Experiencing memory loss, poor judgment, confusion, sometimes difficulty speaking, understanding and expressing thoughts, reading and writing, wondering and getting lost in a familiar neighborhood, trouble handling money, responsibility, and paying bills. Basically, someone uses someone else to be responsible for the money part of things. 
repeating questions, unusual words to refer to familiar objects, taking longer to complete normal daily tasks, losing interest in normal daily activities or events, sometimes hallucinating, experiencing delusions, or even paranoia, acting impulsively, not caring about other people's feelings, a lack of empathy, losing balance and problems with movement. Did you experience any of this seeing after he had his strokes? It was very strange because after he would have the mini stroke, he would have memory loss. And in fact, there were times when people on campus would come up to me and say that um, Kent didn't know where he was. He didn't know who they were. But then he would snap out of it and go right back to the same Kent. And it would be for months that he would be normal. And then it would happen again. And it happened about eight times while I was with him. And I became very protective and I wanted to go with him everywhere so that in case it happened, I would be there to, to pick up the pieces. And, uh, so you have seen some of these symptoms. Yeah. But the empathy thing is part of narcissism and his, um, family of origin say that he's been a narcissist for, you know, 30, 40 years a dictator, a pathological liar, no empathy. Um, so there's different things going on. You believed whenever you first met him, though, for the first few years, you believed there was love and there was something powerful between you and him, though. But later yeah, on, it seemed as though a lack of empathy came in. Was this after the strokes? No, sir. This was after the cover-up was exposed. He loved me only as long as I was going to be a good little wife. And as soon as he could see that I was going to call him out for the things that I told you about, then he turned on me viciously. And I could see that there never was love. It was all a fake. He only uses people. Narcissists use people as though they are objects. And when they are no longer uh of use they discard so it's like a Jekyll Hyde it's like a Jekyll Hyde they love bomb you with the Mr. Hyde or the Dr. Jekyll I can't remember which one's evil and which one's good but they love bomb you with the good side and um, then the evil side is shocking shocking and the depths of evil that I that is getting even worse. Um, just, I mean, I just never would have imagined that lived in the same body. I know that he was part of having Steve Lynn trash the house that Steve would, was renting from me. Um, I have an audio recording where he tells Steve, go ahead and take her washer and dryer. Or, uh, yeah, let's say that Nick did it. Let's, let's say that Nick did all this. You heard him tell the Steve guy, the intimidating man, to take away your stuff and destroy your property? You heard Kent actually say this. Yeah. He said to Steve something like, um, 
something first he used the word damages uh he like what are the damages brother what is she going to be complaining and uh whining about and then he said i mean what nick did who is nick if you don't mind me asking nick is the tech guy before steve steve um did the same thing to Nick that they did to me, whereas they told lies about Nick and basically ran him off campus. And Steve, to this day, even though Nick left, I think three years ago, Steve still um, slanders Nick, blames Nick for things. I mean, it's just incredible. The hatred. Um like when Nick or when Steve got got caught with sadomasochistic pornography on ministry computers, he's tried to say they were Nick's computers, which is an interesting thing that Kent Hovind does. They lie with the truth. Okay, it's true. It probably was Nick's computer because Steve stole Nick's computer. But that doesn't mean Nick put the sadomasochistic pornography on it. Nick hadn't had access to that computer for a year. That computer was setting in Steve's house. Steve set the screensaver, not Nick. Cindy, if you don't mind me asking, being that you and Kent were running dinosaur land, and it sounds as though it's a place where you you both allowed people to have a home or a residence, people that had a lot of problems and issues. You both felt like you were doing some kind of uh, like missionary work, like Christianity, saying, look, we understand people have a past. They have problems. But you guys felt like through the power of God, you might be able to help these folks, right? Even though you knew that they had problems, correct? Well, we assume that they have been born again and that they are going to try and turn over a new leaf if they were found to still be doing drugs or alcohol or sleeping outside of wedlock they would be asked to leave unless they were steve lynn and everybody was noticing that there was just a completely different set of rules for steve lynn it felt as though there was some kind of favoritism yes because People would get kicked off for um, smoking pot or you weren't even allowed to drink in a public bar if you worked for DAL. But Steve Lynn, he was high all the time. People would see him falling asleep at the computer or drooling on the computer or um, giving marijuana or alcohol to new converts who came to try and turn over a new leaf. And nothing would happen to him. He didn't get fired. He didn't get kicked off campus. And it was blatantly obvious. I mean, there's about 15 or 20 people that I have interviews on my YouTube channel that will testify to this. We all noticed it. How come... Steve's allowed to get away with murder and uh, 
that's the cover-up that I'm referring to. Um, I started to say when in August of 2021, Steve got arrested and he actually confessed to embezzling tens of thousands of dollars from the ministry. I had been right all along. He should not have had the passwords or the bank account numbers. And um, Kent fired me instead of him. Kent did not get rid of him after the man committed an illegal act against not only yourself, but the people of Dinosaur Land and Kent Hovind himself got played in this. And he still kept him? And the donor funds. Oh the my. money was stolen. from uh, That money comes from donors. Oh, my. Yep, that was one of the final straws. Well, actually that yeah that happened after i left but so that i call them the three strikes that catapulted me out the door kent was turning the flame up on me intentionally because since i was his wife he didn't want to kick me off campus because that would look bad as a preacher so he had to make it look like he's poor innocent kent and i left him for no reason whatsoever and so Anyway, one of, so he was just like with the body slam, he was intentionally trying to provoke me. So um, one night, Steve threatened me with a gun on his, in his pocket. I did not see the gun, but I knew it was there. Um, and I went home and I told my husband, honey, I think Steve just threatened me with a gun. Kent did nothing, did not chastise him did not fire him, did not suspend him, did nothing. And this was one thing I was needing to ask you about as well, Cindy. I seen a video on your channel where you're speaking to a woman by the name of Joanna. Does this video sound familiar to you? Yeah, he did it to her too. I know nothing about Joanna whatsoever. I have nothing, you know, against her she seems like a very nice uh, person she said that she too felt threatened but didn't actually see a gun right why why do you guys i i wasn't sure why it is that uh, you guys perceive it as a gun if you didn't actually see it though it's obvious but there's a video that i did with five different witnesses who all told that same story. And there's a little video clip in there of Steve having his right hand in his right pocket. And you can see that it's a gun. Um, but. Uh, Is it true? I listened to an atheist video where the claim was that it wasn't a gun, but morning wood. Did I hear that correctly? Again, Kent Hovind calls me a liar that Steve never threatened me with a gun and that it was a penis. Yep. Wood. Which is ridiculous on many, many levels. First of all, I know the difference. Second of all, penises are not on the side of your body where the pocket is. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Third of all, he was not woken up by me because I didn't even come on the property. Fourth of all, he was right in front of a U-Haul truck moving. Therefore, he was obviously already awake. 
I hope that I didn't offend you. I've no, been, I'm offended been... by Kent Hovind being such a pervert, but I guess he's trying to say that because he thinks I won't have the guts to say it and therefore I'll just, you know, cower into a corner or something, but. I, uh, while looking at some of the comments and looking at some of the things people are interested in having to do with all this, that was one of the things I seen and I was like, what? Huh? I was on video. Kent Hovind actually said it twice. And Matt Powell is sitting right next to him. And I can't believe Matt isn't ashamed to be sitting next to him. Was right? Matt very, was Matt uh, actually on the residence at the time that this supposed uh, deal happened? No. I tried very, very hard to keep Matt informed as things were deteriorating so that he would not move. Because it's only a matter of time and Matt and his family will see the truth and they will be stuck having to move back somewhere. I think Matt was living with his in-laws so they will have a place to go. Unlike some people who sell everything and move there and have nowhere else to go. But, and the same with Sandra. I tried very, very, very hard to help her understand who she was getting involved with and prevent another victim. But she's the same as me. She just saw this awesome evangelist who only cares about the Lord and who would never do anything like that. And therefore, I'm just crazy. Has anybody ever, um, during any of these times, because you said you had like five witnesses who say that the Steve person was carrying a firearm, did mm -hmm. anybody, um, doesn't California have some kind of laws about guns? Aren't they kind of stringent about that? Well, we're in Alabama. Oh, Alabama, yes, yes. Guns are far more prevalent in Alabama. So the cops never... Um, took Actually, this from him when he threatened me with a gun i had never been threatened with a gun in my entire stinking life and i talked to kent's lawyer and my friend paul hansen and i said you know i think steve just pulled a gun on me and shouldn't I call the cops? And he said, no, he has a right to do that. And now in retrospect, I realize he was wrong because I hadn't stepped foot on the property and I hadn't done anything wrong. But, you know, the problem is it takes 20 minutes for the cops to get there and Steve's going to go inside and put it away. And then they need a search warrant. So... But in retrospect, I wish I would have called, but Paul told me I didn't need to because it wasn't illegal. <laughs> How can it not be illegal to intimidate somebody with a gun in your pocket? Oh, absolutely. If you think that someone is a um, addicted drug addict, someone who's intimidating, if they are uh, sporting the concept that they might have a gun or threatening death, yeah, I don't understand why cops wouldn't have got in there. You got five people, five people who are stating that they believe there's a gun involved. I am curious why something wasn't done about this fella. Yeah. Well, I didn't know about the other five witnesses until that video came out. 
But, and I also at the time didn't know that if you have drugs and guns at the same time, that's a flipping felony. I really should have called, but I was given bad advice and I didn't even know. But yes, one of the witnesses um, had that concern that Steve, he witnessed that Steve was passed out on his bed and likely overdosing, although he was not a drug addict and wasn't for sure that it was drug related, but um, he saw that next to where Steve was passed out, there was a gun. And he said, somebody in that condition should not have access to a gun. And now I know that's the law. You're not supposed to have access to a gun if you have drugs. Is Um, Steve still working for Kent? Or volunteering or whatever that is called? You'll hear him if you listen to any of Kent's YouTubes. After it's, all this, he's still there. My goodness. So I wanted Cindy, to see. I may need to use the restroom again. That is okay. just unbelievable. I can't believe uh, what I'm hearing. Oh, that's. Uh, I, I'm glad that nothing happened to you or, your, or the people that you've spoken to. I'll be right back, all right? Go ahead and talk to the audience if you like. Seems like we got some nice people out there. Thank God. Yeah. I wish I could see your questions. I would answer your questions, but the chat's not moving. Before I go off to use the rest area, just to lighten things up a little bit, and then we'll get back into some intensity, just so you can relax and chill. Let's tell people about some of your hobbies. Apparently, you like to watch some movies, from what you said earlier. So talk about your hobbies and some of the joys of your life, and then we can get back into the damn hell that is this world sometimes. All right? Thanks, Brett. Yeah, actually, I I very rarely watch movies. The only reason I watched Gaslight is because so when Kent first started saying that I was lying when I and seven witnesses were all telling the truth I typed into my Google search bar what do I do when my husband won't believe me when I'm telling the truth and all this stuff started coming up about narcissism and gaslighting and When someone is trying to rewrite your reality, it's very mind-blowing. I don't know how to describe it. But anyway, I would watch a lot of uh, therapeutic YouTube from um, Dr. Les Carter. He specializes in narcissism. And just to listen to somebody talking about gaslighting as a real thing instead of saying you're crazy to think that he would do such a thing. So anyway, yeah, that was part of my therapy watching that movie. But what I do do for fun, what I really do for real therapy is um, garden. When I first came to Dinosaur Adventureland, I was the landscaper and I was trying to make it look like paradise. I got a bunch of unusual things. Um, I had a starfruit tree. I had a yellow rain tree. 
I had some rare roses and rare, a rare yellow wisteria. If you don't know that the purple wisteria we see on the side of the road usually just comes in purple and occasionally white and occasionally blue, but there's a very rare one that's yellow. And I grew some of those. So yeah, plants, flowers, fruit trees, digging in the dirt is very therapeutic and that's what I do for fun. I also just love to be with friends. Some people that understand who've got your back, who um, believe you. I wish I could see your questions. Next time he goes to the bathroom, we'll have to ask him to turn the questions on. What are those videos you're talking about? Um, if you Google Les Carter, Dr. Les Carter, he does YouTube videos on narcissistic abuse, how to recognize it, that you're not crazy, that they really do do these things. And then the other videos, oh yeah, the one with the five witnesses. If you go to my YouTube channel, Cindy Lincoln YouTube, C-I-N-D-I, not Y, Cindy Lincoln YouTube, you have to go under the playlists and there's a playlist called Kent Hovind Exposed. And yeah, the videos about all those witnesses. Yes. Um, if you go under Kent Hovind Exposed, there's a video that has a big red print, bold red letters that says proof not with a picture of Kent Hovind and Matt Powell. And that's where Kent Hovind was saying it's morning wood. And um, that thumbnail is saying proof that it was not morning wood. And that has the five witnesses who were all intimidated with Steve in the same exact position with his right hand in his right pocket. And including the video of him with his right hand in his right pocket. And then the other witnesses the seven people that said, no, Cindy's not lying. Steve is lying. So those are called interviews. And I did an interview with some of those witnesses. Some of those witnesses are refusing to come forward because either they will get fired or um, they want to move on and they don't want this drama to overwhelm their life but uh kenny and timmy if you look for a video called um interview with kenny interview with timmy and interview with jody and interview with steve bolin um there they talk about that night when uh there was a meeting where people stood up for me Yes, I can't believe someone would claim that a gun is morning wood either. It's like he was intentionally mocking me, which is what he does. I'm back. No need for applause or anything like that. It's all good. How you doing? Are you feeling all right? Yeah. 
we were hoping that the the chat would start moving so that I could answer questions while you were out. And I don't know how you did it from the toilet, but you, it started moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think people just been kind of sitting back, listening to the conversation. Again, I'm going to say to folks, I normally put my link out to the public for everyone to come in, but I wanted this to be um, for Cindy to be able to concentrate and relax and not turn this into the wild west. Um, I didn't want you to get yelled at. I didn't want people distracting from what we're what we're having a conversation about. This is primarily like a kind of like an interview and discussion about the things that you feel you've experienced. I understand? I mean, I'm not trying to cut people out. I will do my public rooms, folks, but this is for Cindy. All right. Thank you. It's all yes. good. I knew I was going to forget where I was at. Do you remember where I was at? Well, we were originally before I went to the, some people say I have a photographic memory. They must be talking about that old Kodak camera because I don't think so. But um, we were talking about a man who is uh, called Steve Lynn, which I know nothing of him. Um, I just know from what people said in videos and all that, that he was, uh, that it was believed that he was carrying a gun. And in Alabama, guns were open, and also that he still works as a tech guy for Kent Tobin. Do I have all that correct? Yes, that Kent didn't fire him. Okay, so if you wouldn't mind, I would like to continue that train. Steve was, okay, so the, the night after Steve threatened me with a gun, he vacated my rental property because I had given him a 30 day notice, his 30 days were up and he moved out of my property. And like I said, he stole the washer and dryer. He stole my stove. He broke two windows. He ripped the thermostat out of the wall. He ripped all the phone jacks out of the wall. What else did he do? he did about $10,000 worth of damage. And in fact, I have finally, after a year, gotten a judgment against him. He owes me $10,000. However, obviously he's never going to pay. But um, So the courts have set it in place that he's forced to pay, but you're not sure that he's actually going to do what the courts tell him to do. He's not. What you have to do in a normal situation like that is you have to get a wage attachment. You have to garnish their wages. However, Ernie Land is simply going to say, well, Steve's not an employee. And then he will pay Steve under the table. So, but we are. I had some, Cindy, I had some property damage done to my home recently. My neighbor decided that they wanted to drink and drive and they ran into the side of our home. And after it's been three months now and the police won't do anything. And we're still waiting on getting this repaired. And uh, yeah, I got a big, it looks like a big cheese pile with a hole in the side of it. It's ridiculous. But I positive. There is one positive about it all. We're getting better air. Because <laughs> there's a hole in my house. Uh, so holy let me, cow! Let me ask you something. See, I'm always trying to be cute. So I was looking at the videos. You got like two videos up that I've seen where 
you're going through the home, showing off the destruction and the damage and all this. The well, there's two of those, okay? The ones that just went up yesterday are my other rental property. Kent sicked them on me also. Hmm. The one with the human feces? Well, I've seen the rat turds and all that stuff. It's rough. That it's rough. was recently. Kent sicked another tenant on me. So anyway, Steve was first. That was a year ago. And then after Steve, uh, just recently, see, there's, you're, you, you're kind of right. There's a, there's a lot of rough people that come to Dinosaur Adventureland. So the deal is, if you work for Kent Hoven 40 hours a week, you get free room and free board. Now, some of us come because we want to serve the Lord and we believe in the science and the ministry. And some of us come, some of them come because they want a free hammock. And they're still, even maybe if they're clean and they're not doing drugs anymore, they are still, they behave like an addict. I'm coming to realize that addicts have certain behaviors. They um, lie. They uh blame shift they manipulate to try and get things out of people they use people so anyway unfortunately two of those drug addicts became my tenants and um they don't like being asked to leave even if there's a valid reason and uh kent lies about the valid reasons um, for anyway, oh my gosh, just so much long stories. Can I ask you something about the, uh, the houses? We can clearly see that there is some damage that is done in those videos, but there's also something else that's noticeable. Are these homes that you showed off on camera also under some kind of construction? They don't look like they've been fully put together or like there was some kind of work being done and it didn't happen. The recent one, yes. The one involving Steve, no. There were two videos that just went up, and those were of the same home. Just this week, those went up. And yes, so originally the deal was they were supposed to build out those back two rooms, that, um, and they just weren't. I mean, I was waiting for months and months and figuring, well, they, they're busy, they're busy, you know. Um, and then I realized, uh, no. Actually, a friend of mine came to me and said, Cindy, they are taking advantage of you. They're taking all the income from the RV um, park and you're giving them a reduced rent to build out that little apartment for you and they're not doing it. So um, I came to them and I said, it looks like we're not doing the deal that we agreed to. So I'm going to put the rent up back to the regular amount. And I think since it's my property, it's only fair that I would get half of the income from the RV park. And um, he said, yeah, well, there's a lot of, it costs 300 a month for the electric bill. And that's about all, you know, I don't get any profit. And I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. If you don't want to share the RV, but I am going to put the rent back up to the normal rate. Um, I forgot how I got on that topic. 
you were talking oh, about that. Uh, we originally started out on are the homes uh, still in the process of construction? And we talked about rat turds and some of the nasty stuff that's going on in this. And then you went on to talk about uh, drug druggies who do not like the idea that they had to be evicted. Nor do they like the idea of keeping up somebody's property. But so when they first moved in, the main portion of the house was newly remodeled. Um, I had just, um, the former owner and myself had dropped several thousand dollars into having it painted, having the foundation work and the termites fixed, having uh, the floors refinished, completely sanded wood floors refinished. And then there was the back section that was no sheetrock. It was just the two by fours. And they were supposed to build that out for me because Kent Hoven was already being abusive and I wanted a bug out house in case I had to leave. And they were going to build um, those unfinished areas into a kitchen and a bedroom and a bathroom for myself in case I ever needed to leave. Um, the reason I think it looked like a construction zone is because I gave them some freedom at the deck area as well. He built ramps for the wheelchair person to use and um, he was going to put a railing up on the deck so that she couldn't roll off of it. And I and he added all kinds of animal cages. He added the pig's die, he two pig's dies. He added a rabbit hutch and a chicken coop. And um, it didn't look very good. You know, he did kind of a ratty job. Um, so that's why it looked like it was under construction. Looks like we got a question from the outside. It looks like a pretty good question as well. Yes, I have. There's only one reason why I'm still in Alabama, and that's because I'm not done with the lawsuit. And I need to be able to make court appearances and see my lawyer. Um, as soon as that's all done, I do intend to get out of here. I may not sell property because the property basically is my income stream. So if I have good tenants in there and friends who will manage the rentals for me, then I will just continue to use them for an income stream and get the heck out of here. It's very, very hard every time you go to town wondering who you're going to run into. And like I said about the hot flashes and the nausea and the PTSD and stuff that happens. When you've been in the town, have you had any negative experiences? Yeah. One day I went out to eat after church and Kent Hoven was in the restaurant. And um, I didn't know he was in the restaurant. I didn't see his van when I came in. And I didn't see his person in the restaurant. Well, it turns out there's a back room and he was in the back room and he came out and uh, <laughs> I didn't realize how much anger I had. 
I called him a, a liar. No, I called him Pinocchio. I called him Pinocchio in front of the whole restaurant. <laughs> yes. And so he tried to say that I was intentionally going there just to cause a scene and that I was violating the protection order and that I knew he was there and blah, blah, blah. Now, whenever it comes to the protection order, who filed the protection order? I did. Even, okay, so I, I got to two of the strikes, and this will tie into what you just asked. Strike one, Steve threatens me with a gun. Strike two, Steve trashes my home. And again, I go to Kent. At the time, I called him Honey. Honey, I think Kent... I mean, I think Steve just uh, did a lot of damage. Can you please come and see the damages? And he refused. And then the third strike, because you were asking, is this Steve guy still working for for Kent? Third strike, Kent um, appointed him to board member. Not only did he not chastise him or fire him, he gave him a promotion. That was strike three, why I left. And I left because I realized I'm in freaking danger. They're getting physical and Kent's not going to protect me. Kent is in on this. Kent is trying to harm me. And um, so I went to the sheriff and I filed the protection order. Well, actually... So I moved, so it tied into where Steve got uh, kicked out of my house, right? And so coincidentally, right at the same time as this three strikes, my house is vacant. And so I tried getting it repaired. I had some helpers come and help me. And as soon as I got it repaired, I moved into it. Well, Steve knew the neighbor because he used to live here. And so Steve would go to the neighbor's house, take pictures of me, shoot off fireworks into my field. Um, what else did he do? Put really, really loud music on at four o'clock in the morning. Um, at one point, do you know how when you look at available networks on your computer, when you, you, you're trying to go online and so you look at available networks? Yeah. And you, well, somehow from the neighbor, he beamed over here an available network that said surrounded by Guidos. So I called him Guido because essentially Kent Hoven is a mafia godfather and Steve Lynn is his little Guido. Whatever you say, I'll do, godfather. And so that network name surrounded by guidos was essentially to tell me I'm not safe. He's nearby and there is no escaping him. And um, that's around the, when I told the judge that he granted the order. I think originally he granted a temporary, and then when he heard that, he made it a permanent. Were you able to screenshot this uh, thing that was beamed over to your computer? 
Sure as heck did. Showed it to the judge. Oof. Goodness. So I, I have noticed in your videos you've uh, you've uh, explained uh, them up at Dinosaur Land as being like a mafia, as thug life, and and these type of things. It really, really comes off like the Godfather for you. That's what's going on. Yes. If you, yeah. I mean, do you know normal people that use intimidation like that? I've never, uh, although I believe in God, I'm not a, I'm not someone who goes to church a whole lot. I've had some pretty embarrassing moments, as I've talked about in my videos. Um, I've never been on a compound or any, never even been to a creation as a museum or anything like that. I've always thought it would be cool to go visit Ken Ham and hang out on the Ark, but I, I just never done that. You, uh, you, you seem like a very cultured person. Yeah, I, I, I did most of our science center, and I really like it. Um, what was that like? Tell me a little bit about it. It was just my dream. Um, we have a section. Well, it was broken down into the days of creation. So day one was in one room, let there be light. And so it was all about the electromagnetic spectrum. Light is not just what we see. Um, light is on a spectrum, kind of like, you know, the colors of the rainbow. They travel at different speeds. And so that's what breaks them when white light goes through a prism, each color travels at a different speed when it bends. And so it breaks it into its parts, its, its colors. Well, there's other colors that we can't see, like gamma rays, x-rays. Um, I forget all the names of them now, but the electromagnetic spectrum is huge. And um, part of it involves magnetism and all kinds of things that are invisible. And so we teach the lesson that even though you can't see it, it doesn't mean that it's not real. We can't see x-rays. We can't see magnetic forces, but they are real, just like God. You can't see him, but it's real. One of the most powerful things in the universe that all mankind can identify with is love. Yet we can't just grab it on our hand and hold it up. But it's there. We all know through our experiences. So that's a good lesson. Very good. Yeah. And then day two, uh, let there be a firmament to separate the waters above from the waters below. And the firmament's where the birds fly. And so, essentially, it's saying that there's going to be a firmament where the birds fly in between the waters above, like rain clouds, or a vapor canopy, and waters below, which would be the oceans. And so, day two is all about air. And air, actually moving air, has a invisible pull like a magnet. That's what a vacuum is. It's just moving air. And it sucks things in just like a magnet does. And then day two also talks a lot about the original vapor canopy waters above. Um, 
and how a greenhouse effect would explain why we see fossil fuels in the Antarctic and the Arctic. Underneath all that snow and ice, there's a whole lot of fossil fuels, which means that used to be tropical. That would occur if the earth were completely surrounded by um, a water vapor canopy. And there's different forms of water. Like for example, ice is one form of water, but it could have been any form of water that would have created um, a greenhouse. And that would also explain why everything grew bigger, better, stronger, faster, like 120 foot dinosaurs. Um, and why Adam and Eve could have lived to be 900 the way the Bible says that they did because it was a perfect growing condition. So there's a whole lot on that. Can I ask you something, Cindy? You sound like a really, really intelligent and kind person. And whenever all this, all this uh, crap goes away and you finally, you find yourself in stable ground, uh, with all this where you can do what you want to do have you considered that you uh do more of it i do notice that you have some videos where you talk about dna and some of the genetic structures and and things like this you have a good voice i really really think that if you wanted to pick it up one day and do your own ministry are, is that something in the future yeah. that you can even think about or what Yes, and even though I only have a couple hundred views on those science videos that I've done, if I could reach a couple hundred people, that's that's something, you know. Yeah, I've done stuff on radiometric dating. I've done stuff on the layers, you know, like the Grand Canyon layers. You see the strata um, and how, okay, I've been to the Grand Canyon. It's a mile deep. And most all of those stripes are sedimentary. There's some volcanic as well. But sedimentary means laid down by water. And there's shell and coral fossils in most of them. And even when there's animals, not shells, the fact that they are buried Okay, how much mud would it take to bury a 120-foot dinosaur? He's, you know, they say in the textbook that the layers, this represents one year, and then the next year another layer comes, kind of like dust on your, on your, you know, desk. But it's not desk. It's, it's mud and silt. It's water-borne sediment deposits. And so... If this is one year, one year, one year, the dinosaur would never get buried. He would just walk through the mud puddle. You mind if I ask you something about this? Um, sure. I've, I've, I've listened to some different accounts, and I am absolutely convinced that there was a worldwide flood. Uh, the only thing I find myself um, still learning, because I've only been doing this for six years, right? We're where folks like yourself have been doing this almost all your life, but I'm not quite over to the point where I am convinced the earth is 6,000 or 10,000 years old yet. 
I'm not to that point yet, but I do hear a lot of great arguments. My question is, do you believe that God may have actually used a, not just opened the earth and had water spring forth and rain, but that God may have actually used meteorites or asteroids to hit the earth to cause massive tidal waves that also did this? Because as you know, scientists are claiming that we were hit by massive meteorites. Could that also have been the impact that caused the flood? Well, the Bible does clearly say the fountains of the great deep broke open. And if you look at the planet, it, well, we call them tectonic plates. Where is the video where I have that map where it call, it doesn't call it tectonic plates. It says our broken earth or something like that. But it shows a, a map of the earth and all the, the break lines. The tectonic plates are where the earth broke apart. And then on the other end over here, it would be going together, right? But the earth obviously was broken. And if that was when the fountains of the great deep broke open, that's what we used to teach in the science center. And then the windows of heaven broke open as well. So if there was a vapor canopy or even glass, which would be more, sorry, even ice, which would be more like a glass window, and the windows of heaven broke open. So you've got uh, floodgates opening and window gates opening. And in fact, I have another video where it shows that there is still water under the earth today. That it isn't. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I did a video a while back. There's over um, 400 miles beneath our feet. There's enough water to fill the oceans three to four times over. So we live, awesome? on a water, we live on a planet that's 85% water. So if we've got enough water to fill those oceans three or four times over, no problem. That tea can easily fill over the cup, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the meteor question, I believe the cause is given in the Bible as the fountains and the windows. But... Walt Brown has a book called In the Beginning, which Kent refers to a lot. And he said that when the fountains of the great deep broke open and water shot out, that rock would have probably gone out with the water because the rocks broke open. And uh, Kent Hovind points out that the moon, one side of the moon is heavily cratered whereas the other side of the moon isn't. And he believes, and Walt Brown believes, that when the fountains of the great deep broke open, they actually left the, um, what do you call it, the atmosphere, and actually could have hit the moon. I don't know. The material from the earth went up um, in the gravitational uh, field into the moon, you're saying? Yeah. Because if you think about it, you just said 400 feet below us, right? 400 miles? 400 about 400 feet. miles beneath our okay. feet that there's enough water to fill the oceans three, four times over. Yes. So that means if you have 400 miles of rock on top of water, okay, that water is under an immense amount of pressure. 400 miles of rock is really heavy. And so when the rock 
breaks open, the water's going to go shooting out. Just like sometimes when they hit oil, it will shoot out. And so um, if you look at the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, for example, um, I mean, we're not talking about just a little break. We're talking about kind of like a baseball, how it has the, the stitching all the way around it. The Mid-Atlantic Ridge goes almost all the way around, you know? And so with all that opening, there could very well have been rock shooting up. And so that would explain perhaps why there were meteorites happening at that time as well. There is a lot of reports besides the fact that cultures all over the world describe a worldwide flood. There is also, and the stories have been passed orally, but there's a lot of stories of uh, humongous rocks hitting the earth or material that has hit the earth. Uh, Some of them described it as falling stars. Yeah, interesting, huh? Well, and we know that when the... The space shuttles, the when they went to the moon and when they come back in, when they break into the atmosphere, it does look like a falling star in that it's on fire. Of course. Right? It's, the, so, it's the atmosphere. It sets on fire and it uh, looks exciting for sure. So even a rock re-entering the atmosphere might have fire around it you know i don't know right it's kind of it could could be a giant chunk of ice that hits it and because it's so hot even that can ignite surprisingly yes i believe kent talks a little bit about that i would like to respond to one of the chats it says what killed the dinosaurs an asteroid impact was the main culprit. First of all, that is stated as though you knew it was a fact. And you were not there, so you shouldn't state it like that. You should state the textbooks say it was an asteroid. Okay, but think about this. If an asteroid impact killed the dinosaurs, an asteroid impact would kill more than dinosaurs asteroids don't target specific species (laughs) they wipe everything out so that doesn't make any sense well cindy some of our atheist friends out there like steve short i don't know if you realize this but at some point in time they built the time machine right and then they went back in time and they witnessed all this at least that's what they figure course i wouldn't have known how they would have been able to see all that and survive it but that's their story and i guess they're sticking to it am i terrible it's very funny how they think that textbooks are at this high level of reliability and yet they will question authority when it comes to other places well, that's weird, Steve, because uh, we've got whale graveyards. We've got uh, the bones of uh, massive fish and creatures that are on the top of mountains. Um, every culture on Earth, all the way back even towards, I believe, the Aztecs as well as Chinese, Japanese, 
have uh, sounded that they they have oral stories of a worldwide flood. So I'm sorry that you may live under a rock. Perhaps put down the bag of Doritos, go upstairs, and uh, be nice, Rick. <laughs> Don't be like Ken Oven. I'm sorry. I I get rough. I apologize. You know, one thing that I did learn. I mean, I remember when I was still living in California, I called Kent Hovind and I said, you shouldn't call them morons and your mother wouldn't approve and you shouldn't be saying shut up to them either. And he basically, I don't know why I, so I overlooked it because of the greatness of his impact in the evangelical world and the greatness of his science and the greatness of his, you know, comedy that makes it more palatable for people to hear the science. But at this point, it's more of a deal breaker for me. Christianity is being represented that way. And that is not what Jesus did. Jesus does not insult or mock except for Pharisees. And I think as Christians, we're not going to mock or insult anybody into the kingdom. We can only love them into the kingdom. And so I want my ministry to be much different than Kent's because I believe of all the atheists that I've spoken to, they will say things like, I'm glad how you treated me like a human. I'm glad how you treated me with respect. I'm glad how you listen and not put up straw men or just stay on your script and not answer the question that Kent was asked. So anyway, Jesus is on display with our every word. If you're, if you're a Christian and you are trying to shine his light in this world. I agree with you, Cindy. I, I think you're right on the money. You're hitting the nail right on the head. It is tough. I've only been doing this for six years and, I, uh, on a daily basis, I have had non-believers instruct me in creative detail on how I should end my own life. And it's difficult to stay loving and kind and all that. Amen. Yeah, yeah so I know, I know. I'm not that, always loving and kind either, but the atheists haven't been abusive to me. Only Ken Hovind has been abusive to me. No, I, well, I understand and I will, I will definitely... Uh, I myself, I've been hoping to find a better Christian community out there where Christians can uh, correct me and, and grab me whenever I start, you know, moving into the flesh and say, Brett, come on, man. You're starting to get rough there, fella. So it is good. I, I I've need had more the same Christians. thing. People will say, Cindy, calm down, calm down, <laughs> calm down. Put the sword away. <laughs> I need more people like that in my life that'll yeah. that uh, care about me enough to say, "All right, Brett, you're starting to get in the mud." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And in fact, well, yeah, that's kind of another story, but when Kent was recording me, and it was really bothering me, and I would go to some of the other cabins and um, cry, you know. One of them said to me, Cindy, why don't you record him? Speaking of getting into the mud. And I said, no, I don't want to sink to his level. And then I went, wait a minute. Cindy? Hi, sweetheart. Hi. I'm, 
I'm doing a live show, so I can't talk right now. When are you almost done? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, Cindy, like I told you, I was going to get let you take as long as you need to be able to do okay. things and not feel rushed. Did yes. you get any of that, what I was saying? No. I was saying I that not. I... I will not. And then I'll call you. Yeah. If you see a Las Vegas phone number calling you, do not answer. Got it. Do not answer Las Vegas. I love you. I love you too. And call me when you're done. Okay, I will. All right, Bye. All right. So there, there, what I was saying was my idea was to give you the opportunity to take as much time as you need to be able to say what was on your mind and all that. I didn't want you to feel rushed or under some kind of Thank pressure. You. So I, I do have a couple more questions for you, if you like. Oh, I have to finish that thought. That was important. Okay. But yes, then I will hear your questions. So getting into the mud. Um, so I said, no, I'm not going to sink that low. I'm not going to start recording him. And then I went, wait a minute. I've heard him talking about me behind my back. At that point, I had overheard some things that were shocking. I had never heard him speak in that way. And I had never certainly heard him speak in that way about me. And he was starting to, like I was saying earlier, anticipatory breach. I could anticipate that he was going to breach our contract and he was conspiring with Ernie and Brady uh, and Steve about that. And so I did. I bought some recording devices and some of those recordings um, are on my YouTube channel as well. Um, And I heard the true Kent Hovind and it took me quite a while to believe it. I would hear something that made me cry and made me shocked and devastated. Like I had just been hit with a, you know, punch in the stomach. But then I would go home and I go, no, that can't be right. Just like many of the Christians who listen to me right now, you'll go home and say, that can't be right. Kent Oven's a great evangelist. Anyway, I listened for long enough to where it finally sunk in. But I would, you know, I would, I would go home and I would sleep with my husband and snuggle with him because it's like, well, he's, he's my husband. He's, he's not who I just heard. You know, it, it's called cognitive dissonance. It's also called the Stockholm Syndrome, where the abuser will treat you really good to get you to be in love with them, and then they will abuse you, and then they will treat you really good, and then they will abuse you to get you to be confused and deny the abuse. Um, so that started with the mud, and just um, that is, I want people to understand why I recorded him. I did not initiate the whole recording game. Kent Hovind initiated it and recorded me against my wishes for over a year. And I didn't start the recording until anticipatory breach. And I had overheard him speaking about me in ways that I had never imagined. Are you familiar with someone by that goes under the name Robert Beatty? <clears throat> uh-huh. are, 
are you aware that this Robert Beatty person is a part of a uh, Facebook group called Atheist One-on-One as well as Kent Hovind's Worst Nightmare? I thought Robert Beatty was not an atheist. Well, the person is going on to the uh, the stations. I've seen some of the people that he's shared some of your videos as well as uh, attack videos done by other people against Kent. And it's called Kent's Worst Nightmare. That's the name of the group. That one I know about. That one I know about. I'm a member of that one. But the one atheist one-on-one, I had never heard that he was an atheist. I, I thought he was not an atheist, but I don't know. Well, I, I was skimming the uh, skimming the group thing, and they're they've they're connected with all kinds of different atheist groups on there, where not only do they target Kent Hovind, but they uh, apparently target other Christians as well as social media Christians, and they do a lot of things that violate terms of service, like posting people's personal home addresses and information, and all that. And I don't know if you realize this because I know that you're you're trying to get your life together, so you're probably not even paying attention to all the stupid on the internet, right? But <laughs> this, is referred to, this is referred to what they're doing, what they're participating in is a criminal act called cyber-stalking. Are you familiar with this? No. It's when people um, are posting personal documentation, like home addresses, personal information. Docs. Uh, yeah, taking pictures of people's uh, homes without their uh, knowledge and all this, uh, sending uh, threatening, lewd, or offensive emails or messages to victims. Uh, there is a lot of stuff where they wish death upon some of the people they're talking about. Wait, can... wait, 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 wait. Yes, go ahead. From the group in general or from other members in the group or from Robert Beatty wishing death on someone? There are some uh, people who are connected to the group that he's into where they're doing that. And that's why I was asking you if you were aware of this. I didn't know you were even a member of the group. but well, Robert Beatty has right. been following Kent for many, many years. Stalking, maybe. But he has been following Kent for many, many years. And we all thought that he was a little overboard but he actually has been hugely helpful to me. In fact, he knows when my court dates are before I do. In the last court date, I would have missed if it weren't for him. So he does keep up on all things Kent Hovind. And um, he has also been a place where those of us who have been abused by Kent can um, put our documentation like, for example, um, the first guy that went to Robert Beatty with documentation, uh, I think I'll refrain from using his name because he wants to focus on just being a dad right now and not be in this drama with Kent anymore. But anyway, he discovered that Kent's one of Kent's very close inner circle was a pedophile. And that person, Brady Byram, had been his friend. And so he called him and said, look, I just talked to your son. He said that you were abusing his sister and his cousin for years. Is this true, Brady? Tell me it's not true, Brady. 
we're friends, Brady. Tell me it's not true. And Brady refused. But this is all on text. Well, Cindy, uh, one of the reasons why I'm pointing this out to you is uh, I'm concerned about what this could cause an issue with. You have to understand that if if you guys if you're going to court and you're trying to work things out for yourself as well as get justice or whatever it is that you're looking for, and let's say some religious folks or non-believers were to come forward and say, Oh, look, she's a member of groups that are threatening harm to someone or the person you're speaking of, do you realize how that could get you in a lot of uh Oh uh, yeah. Well, I'm not a member of that group. I'm a member of Kent Hovind's Worst Nightmare, and Robert Beatty has never threatened harm that I know of to anybody in that group. Um, well, in, the, in the future, if you don't mind, uh, as advice from a brother in Christ, before joining any group or any kind of membership thing or anything that someone tries to invite you to, do a great try to do as much research as possible before you get into that. Because that could cause you trouble down the road. I'm saying this as a caring brother. Yeah, that's a good point, hon. It seems like everybody has closet skeletons. It's social media. <laughs> it's it's and you know what? The most upstanding Christians are probably just as bad. I mean, the whole thing with Ravi Zacharias... Ravi Zacharias broke right around the same time as I was leaving Kent. And it's stunning and shocking to think that a man who Ravi and Kent were very similar. They traveled the world evangelizing, preaching the gospel. And inwardly were ravenous wolves. Ravi raped 17 girls. Misappropriated. You didn't know about Ravi Zacharias yet? Uh, no, I've only been doing Christianity for six years. And when I go looking for like uh, something inspirational, I see the normal clip of, you know, somebody saying something interesting at a college or behind a podium. But I never heard of that before. Wow. Yeah. When Ravi died, they found several different phones so that he could hide his his stuff but like 17 different women came and they found messages and photographs in his phone so it's not as far as I can tell it's a conviction it's not a speculation oh my god this world just keeps getting more darker and evil and it's it's stunning how somebody can look like a Christian on the outside. And actually, when you start to think about it, that's exactly what the Bible teaches. It talks about wolves in sheep's clothing. That means they're going to look like a sheep. And it also talks about there are tares sown in the wheat field. And if you look up what a tear is, it looks just like wheat until the harvest and um, the Bible talks a lot about it false prophets um, Pharisees who like the show but inwardly are dead men's bones 
They look like they're leaders in the church, Pharisees. And Cindy and myself, being that I'm new to this, I've been trying to find a, a good community. I've met Mr. Jerry Steen, well, through social media, not personally or in real life, the guy that just typed something. And he's a really cool guy. He's a great guy. He's a preacher. But uh, I've made the mistake of running into some people that I thought were really good Christians. Um, there's a guy right now who uh, apparently people ended up finding out. I, I used to hang with the guy, and then people showed me that the guy was charged with being a pedo. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so I, 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 keep, I keep finding myself like getting into meeting people and they got like that snake tongue where they got that charisma and they sound all good and then you turn out that they're the type of person who would blow up the world if they had the button to the nuke it's like no how is yes. this possible i got terrible discernment skills cindy we're in the same boat and you know i keep thinking of that there's a lyric in an old hymn it says something like although this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us we will not fail for God hath willed his truth to something through us. But the, the main one that I always think of is, although this world with devils filled, like what you were just saying, you keep meeting people that they look great. But then you see their underbelly and you're like, another betrayal, another lack of judgment, another fake friend. It's incredible how many I've experienced in the last few months. Absolutely incredible. It's like you don't trust anybody anymore. I hope you don't mind, Cindy. You mind if uh, I've uh, sent uh, Mr. Jerry through Facebook a link to be able to come in. He's not someone that likes drama or aggravation, but he's a really good guy. I uh, have talked to him for almost 10 years, and he'd probably bring something to the conversation for us. And he's much wiser than me. You know, I've only been doing the Christian thing for six years. You guys are obviously professional Christians, right? I'm like a noob. <laughs> What do they call it? Babe in Christ, I suppose? Yes, a babe in Christ. I think I ran into Jerry in another chat, maybe on... Were you, Jerry, in um, Sal Cordova's chat? Or where have I seen you before? You've probably seen him a couple times on my show. He's an older fella. He just kind of sits back and chills. Likes to tell me about uh, some of the preaching he did whenever he was younger, as well as a book that he's working on. He says that his son loved Ravi, and he was shocked when he found out. Yeah, I used to try and compare Ravi with Kent, because remember I told you that the way Kent insults and mocks and calls names and says, shut up. Versus how Ravi was always so respectful. And he was always trying to let the person know that he understood their question. He validated their concern. Even if he didn't agree and he was going to basically disprove what they said, he would always be respectful. 
And I always wished Kent would be more like him. Shocking. Well, unfortunately, Cindy, in this particular topic, I uh, I wouldn't be able to judge or condemn any Christians on some of their behavior on that because I've been known to, whenever people throw crap in my face, sometimes I'm not going to turn on the other cheek. Please forgive me for that, but I'm still new. <laughs> well, honey, I've had to apologize for how I behaved in that body slam incident, too. Even if I was provoked, I mean... People don't understand that that's like the climax of a year's worth of provocation and abuse where I blew it. But I've apologized on multiple occasions. Every time I swore at my husband, every time I yelled at my husband, I would always say sorry. In fact, I got an anger management book. I was really trying to get better, thinking I could save my marriage. But he didn't want me to get better. Uh, the anger was what he was looking for so that he could discredit me. Oh, there was one final question I wanted to ask having to do with this kind of stuff. Um, you have clearly showed footage that there's been some damage done. There's no getting around that. You've, you've clearly showed that. But the only question is, is how do you know for sure the people that were involved? Did you see them from a distance or did someone tell you or a neighbor? They were my tenants. Speaking of false friends. They were my friends. And then um, they were always friends with Kent, too. And they would just tell me, well, we know he stole money from you. We know he's a lying creep. But we just pretend to be friends so that we can keep borrowing this tractor and dumping our garbage in this dumpster and using his ice machine. Because they live around the corner from Dinosaur Adventureland. And they wanted to keep on good terms with Kent. Well... When I saw how much, um, long story, I needed the money, but at the same time, he came to me with a huge repair bill, trying to get me to lower the price on the house and sell to him. And I had it appraised, and the appraiser said, this is a teardown. The house is trashed. And I just went, Wow. Wow, I paid $59,000 for that house. And um, someone offered me $35,000. And like I said, I really needed the money and I wanted to get the heck away from Dinosaur Adventureland. And so I sold it to that person. And the tenants were really angry at me because it meant they had to leave. But if I would have let them stay, my house would have been worth zero. Were the tenants made to pay a deposit or anything like this? No, well, even if they did, it seemed like the damage is too high for a deposit to take care of anyway. But right. what? Right. why are you, um, if you don't mind me asking, I understand that you say the tenants liked Kent, but... Do you know for, did you hear Kent actually demand they do that or? Oh, okay. They went on Kent's YouTube channel and they said a whole bunch of lies about me. Um, they said that there were holes in the floor and that I was a slum landlord and that the roof was leaking and that there was no heat and no water heat and all this bull crap. 
And in the video, you can see I bought a brand new water heater. All the floors are sound. There's no holes in the floors. There's no water damage showing a, a leaky roof. And Kent was just, you know, yeah, I don't really want to make Cindy look bad, but you know, yeah, she just kicked you out and she's a, um, a quadriplegic and Cindy doesn't care. She just, uh, you know, wants the money. That's all she cares about, you know? Um, and Joanna, my current, she just moved in here when she had to leave there. She was my, she, she was one of the witnesses that was intimidated by Steve and the, his guns. She was my landscape assistant. But anyway, while she lived there, she saw that Kent Hovind was over there all the time. And he's obviously been trying to discredit me as well as Joanna, as well as the other people who confronted him on his misconduct. And not just discredit, but harm. Harm. And so... Um, Kent was coming over there talking smack about me and getting Tanya and John and Joe all riled up. And he was also bringing trailers and truckloads to haul off everything they could. And it's not his property. Um, so Joanna saw several times a day they were going back and forth and she saw several confrontations with uh, Kent and John talking smack and lies about me. And she overheard them saying uh, Kent was trying to get them to sue me uh, and he was trying to get them to appear before the judge and say that I was crazy and that they saw the body slam, and that I attacked him for no reason, which is an utter lie. There was no one in the house. And um, it's like almost two years later, and now he's saying he was in our house. <laughs> so Kent's tactic has always been to try and harm. So there is some extrapolation going on because of what I heard him say to Steve about this property, but it's, it's his MO. He, he destroys, he wants to try and hurt me. Do you know of any other accounts in which, uh, uh, you've heard that Kent has uh, caused physical harm to others? Not property damage, although I wouldn't doubt it. But no, I mean, I mean actual physical harm, not property. Yes, damage. I know five accounts. So, uh, there was one occasion when there were multiple witnesses who saw him body slam a thirteen-year-old boy. Um. There was one time when my mother lived at Dinosaur Adventureland. And I was visiting her cabin and Kent opened the door and tried to come in without knocking. And my mother was not decent. And so I put my foot to stop the door from opening. And I said, don't come in. My mom's not, not dressed. 
and he tried to force his way in and shoved the door open and gave me a black eye, even though we were saying, no, no, mom's saying no. Why would you walk in when someone says no? And on another, that same exact door situation happened with Trudy Adkins. There's a police report from 2002, which is fully narrated on one of my YouTube videos because the parallels are striking. Um, she claims she told him not to come in and that he shoved his way in anyway. And Kent's main line of self-defense was to say she's crazy. She's trying to take over the ministry. She's trying to, she's a money grubber, which are the same exact things that he says about me 20 years later. He has all the mafia techniques down pat, and he's been using them over and over again. Lying works, unfortunately. Let's see. So my mom, Trudy, the 13-year-old, myself. Uh, the fifth one I didn't witness, but when I first left Kent Hovind and I was just reeling in confusion and devastation, I was trying to figure out was Kent Hovind always like this or did jail corrupt him? And I called his, his family. I called Joe Hovind. I called his son. I called his brother. And I, Kent had told me that his, that there was an incident where he had shoved his first wife on the ground and broken her tailbone but he claimed that it was he was trying to save her from an oncoming car well when i found out the truth about kent hoven i went i bet there's another story behind that i bet it's not how kent says and so i asked joe i said kent told me about your broken tailbone now that I know what I know about Kent, I don't believe he was, it was an accident. Did Kent harm you? She wouldn't answer. So my conclusion from that was that she didn't want to lie. All right, I have to ask you one more thing, and I hope it doesn't come off offensive and you completely understand where I'm coming from. But if any of these people that have been mentioned, which I don't know any of them personally, I don't know anything about Kent, if any of them approach me and say that they want to say their side, what would you have any issue with me personally if I allowed people to be able to say their side? I don't know if they would, but if they did, do you think it would be fair of me to allow people to say what's on their mind? Well, obviously, that's always going to be the fair approach. However, if you have Kent Hovind say his side, it's going to be 90% lies, and you won't be able to discern that. But um, what I've tried to do on my channel 
is to show proof documentation and to interview enough witnesses. The Bible says, where uh, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And it also says, rebuke not an elder unless you have two or three witnesses. Well, there is, I have between 15 and 20 interviews. I have way more than two or three witnesses. And so I believe that that will help people discern who's lying. If you listen to all the interviews of the 15 witnesses, you'll notice they all say the same thing. And you can go back for the last 10 years and the people that have spoken out about Kent Hovind before my generation, like Theo, like a guy named something Jocelyn, I forget, like Christopher. Well, if any of if any of these people that you speak of are willing to have a conversation about it and talk about their perspective from it, I'm more than willing to hear their, their side. But I, I feel... Um, I feel it would be inappropriate for just sitting there going, oh, well, I've heard one side and not hear both sides. Not saying that anybody's incorrect or bad or terrible, but I just feel like the honest good thing to do is let everybody air their grievances if it comes down to it. And then, to be honest with you, the way I know social media, sometimes people's judgments are not fair. They're not right. No matter how much information you give to them, it is the way it is. But me, I always try to keep an open heart and open mind. I agree. Honey, I'm the last person who wanted to believe this about Kent Hovind. I invested my blood, my sweat, my tears, my body, my heart, my inheritance in that ministry and in that man. I stayed after being pretty badly abused because I didn't want to believe it. So, um, yeah, seek the truth. I will Cindy, never... I, I, and even though I'm a noob in Christianity for the last six years, I've seen countless religious leaders as well as countless non-believers go down for some pretty heinous things where I would have never suspected any of that. So when someone says something can be going wrong, I kind of look at it the same way people look at Bill Cosby and Will Smith smacking Chris Rock. Even though it's shocking, it's very possible man has an evil heart. The Bible says so. You know what, honey? One of the most difficult things as a new Christian 30 years ago was hell. I had a hard time with that. I didn't uh, think that that was something I could wrap my head around. But like you're saying about pretty heinous things, especially when you've when you are saying the name of Christ, saying don't lie, saying don't steal, saying treat your wife with love, but you're doing the opposite. Um, 
and doing the heinous things to somebody who just loved you. It's one thing to do a heinous thing to somebody who ripped you off or tried to harm you. But doing a heinous thing to somebody that only did good to you. And in fact, that's what happened to Jesus, is it not? All he did was love us and do miracles and create a beautiful Garden of Eden environment. And we rejected him. When so, I uh, when I read the uh, the story of what happened to Jesus Christ, it's uh, nobody ever seems to mention this, but it appears to me by reading it that not only did the government participate during the day to kill Christ, but the religion of that day as well. You're right. It's, uh, it's extremely difficult for me to swallow, and I couldn't imagine what it would be like being a father and your own children spit in your face and kill you like that. So, like I said, although I'm new at all this, I clearly can see a lot of evil that goes on in this world. And I'm always going to try to stay open-minded and open-hearted till the day I die. Can I get right back with you? i got to use the rest area. Tea is hateful. Hateful. Note to self, don't drink 10 gallons of tea before a live show. That is right. That is correct. Luckily, i got a fantastic person like yourself to keep people entertained. Be right back. <laughs> I'll put my glasses on so I can read what you guys wrote. If Brett shows both sides, I will listen to both. Wow. Cool. Yeah, he was telling... Um, I'll keep reading. Brett has done more to expose atheism than anyone. I trust Brett, says Phoenix Storm. So yeah, he shared some things with me about atheism too. My experience with the atheists um, has been really good. They've been really kind to me. They've allowed me to share the gospel, even though they don't agree. They have not mocked my faith in front of me. They have given me way more support and compassion than the Christians. They have believed me, whereas the Christians don't believe me. But like you're saying, Phoenix, Brett has showed me that sometimes atheists can be pretty harsh also and pretty brutal also. So like he was saying... The heart of man is evil. The Bible says so. All of us have things in us that need to be squelched. Any other questions or comments? I'll just have a momentary pause. Well, actually, along those lines of evil in the heart of man, um, and we were talking about the Garden of Eden and the crystalline canopy that made the earth like a paradise. God made all this beauty and we rebelled against him. If you think about it, when we ate the fruit, 
of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we basically chose to say Satan's telling the truth that it will make us wise and God is not telling the truth when he says in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And there's a really cool thing about this because it does say in the day that you eat of it, you will die. Well, Adam and Eve didn't die that day except for spiritually. But remember God said that their fig leaves would not do the trick and he gave them animal skins. That means something did die that day. And the Bible says that Jesus is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the earth in our place. So God's solution to our evil from the very beginning was to sit in the death penalty in our place. He took our death, our hell that we deserve as payment for our evil. He paid for it himself so that all who believe could be given his righteousness. Not just believe, but believe and agree with God about what is righteousness. I love that story. The Lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the earth. So when God said, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. It wasn't a lie. Jesus did it for him, for us. I'm back. Hey. Oh, Cindy, there was one thing I was wanting to ask you, because I know that you're very busy and you got a lot of things on your plate. Do you have you ever went through any of Mr. Junior's videos before Atheist Junior? I have tried to watch a couple of them. Um, that's all I would say at this time. Mr. Junior, uh, less than a month ago, made a live video. One of his friends by the name of James uh, debated Kent Hovind on a Standing for Truth channel. Are you familiar with this? Yes, I watched half of that debate. James was one of the atheists that interviewed me and was very kind to me. So I he sent me the link to the debate so that I could see it. Okay, so James, after the debate, a lot of people in Standing for Truth's uh, channel were convinced that James lost the debate. And they, they pretty much made it clear he lost terribly. So what happens is James goes over to an after show where Mr. Jr. is. And I went over there to ask them both if they would like to come onto my show and chat. When I went over there, I was listening in for a moment to see what was happening on the outside, like what people are doing with us. And they were joking about Mr. Kent Hovind having a stroke. And they were laughing about his physical condition. It was pretty dark, some of the stuff that they were saying. I was wondering if you had had an opportunity to see that and hear that for yourself. No, I didn't. That would be grieving. That, now, that you, you want justice. you're wanting justice and fairness done, which I believe everybody that's listening in completely understands where you're coming from. 
But these two guys who are, I feel, are pretending to be nice to you, they wish harm on someone. They're actually wishing physical harm. And the reason why you're concerned for yourself is because you don't want physical harm done on yourself. I'm telling you this because these guys are not what you think they are. I'm sure they were nice as pie when talking to you, but if you go over and listen to that sometime when you have an opportunity, it will make you sick to your stomach. More betrayal. I'm sorry. But I do care and I do not want, I don't want to see you be that being used against you or people saying, oh, look at the folks that you talked to and all that, because you didn't know anything about any of that. Well, it is being used against me. The, when I told you how Kent had John and Tanya and Joe on his show and they were saying all these lies about me, well, that was actually on a Whack and Atheist Wednesday, Wednesday. And Kent had me up with all the atheists. And he said that I was an atheist helper if he shows the recordings of atheist jr and some of the things that steve mccree did i i guarantee the christians will probably go towards him by just merely showing the kind of sick things they've said so that's i'm trying to let you know so you don't continue to get yourself into that trap i am so sorry you're like myself. You're trying to find the light in people. You try to find the good in everyone, no matter what they label themselves. But you've learned just as much as I have over the years. You got to watch who you trust. Wolves in sheep's clothing, right? And somebody in the comment section said it isn't uh, regardless of religion. In other words, they could be in sheep's clothing or they could be in atheist clothing. Either way. Well, and Jesus said that he trusted himself to no man because he knew what was in the heart of man. And I don't know, sometimes we do the wrong thing because we're desperate. I've noticed about myself sometimes lately. And, or maybe I just did fall for their niceness. But I had already gone to Christianity Today, Julie Royce, um, Alan Parr, Mike Winger, everybody at Dinosaur Adventureland, uh, the elders in Kent's inner circle that did not live on campus, come to find out they're part of it. I had gone to as many Christians as I could find. And so when AJ first came to me and offered to do an interview, I was kind of desperate to get this message out, hoping that it might help. We understand, Cindy. And because we love you and we care about you, we're letting you know what's, what's up. And I'm sorry that some of these Christians out here were, oh, let me just put it flat. It's cowardly that people just stood back and did not um, stand up and allow you to tell your side. I am sorry that you've went through this. I have tried with all of my might to have the courage to do what is right and let people say what needs to be said. 
Even if it make you homeless. I've been homeless before. I know it sucks. All the people at Dinosaur Adventureland, if they would have stood up for me, they would be homeless. They would have lost their mission, their family, their home, just like I did. Um, But I think you're right, Brett. I think we need to do what's right, even if it will make us homeless. You don't sit idly by while a bully bullies somebody 10 times smaller than him. Or while a bully bullies someone that is innocent. And nobody is completely innocent. We're all sinners. But nonetheless, that statement is true. If the there person- is one thing there is one thing that you should look at positively because I seen it looked kind of like the life kind of drained out of you whenever you heard about this. Think of it this way, even though some of these people may have been rotten and terrible, uh, just think of it positively that you had the opportunity to reach some people maybe in the audience who weren't out to get you, that maybe you caused someone to open their heart to Jesus. So there's that, all right? Well, and the redeeming thing that I always clung to was that they always did let me share the gospel. James W. that you just referred to, at the very end of our interview, he said, if you had to say one reason why you're a Christian, why would it be? So at the very beginning, they asked the same beginning as you asked, give me my testimony. And at the very end, what's the one reason why you're a Christian? And I said, because I believe that Jesus is actually God Almighty, the Creator, come to earth. And I want to be on his side and not on the opposite side. And so even if they're evil, the gospel went out. And quite frankly, Kent Hovind is worse evil. And he's also, the gospel's going out of his mouth. God speaks through donkeys. It's a mystery. How many millions of people did Rabbi Zacharias, Kent Hovind, lead to the Lord? It's so bizarre as to be absolutely incredible, which is why it takes so long to believe it. You really have to be hit with a lot of hard evidence repeatedly. Cindy, I don't know if you remember, I was saying that um, on Wednesdays and Fridays, I um, I do do a show. If you're interested in coming in and being able to talk about, uh, it was pretty interesting. We were talking earlier about the firmament and the meteorites and the earth opening up. If you would like to be able to have an audience where you share the gospel and your views on things, you're always welcome. The link is usually public for everyone. Yeah, and I really had a blast with Aiden. That was a very special time. I think that was just a couple days ago, Friday. Because I yeah, feel like he's an agnostic, but he's uh, he's always proven to be a very kind and trustworthy person. He's really shown himself to me. Uh, I can't say that about a lot of non-believers, but he's definitely he's somebody I'd invite to the home for sure. <laughs> well, just like. Um, 
Martin Luther King said, it's not the color of your skin, it's the content of your character. And you could say that in terms of atheists versus Christians. You could say it's not what you label yourself, it's the content of your character. And that's not salvifically, but in terms of who we want in our life. You know, you don't you don't get saved for being a nice person, but you... Um, you certainly, that's the kind of person that you want to have in your life and that you have hope that maybe you'll influence them for the Lord. But anyway, point being, it was such a blessing talking with Aiden. He asked some really cool questions, and I feel like I might have been able to pull out a few weeds or sow a few seeds. He seemed like he was really responding to you. And he had yeah. a, had respect for you and all that, and you'll probably get more opportunities to talk with him. Yeah. I really believe with his intelligence and the kind of compassion that he has in his heart that he could be a, an extremely powerful uh, in service for God. I really believe that. I agree. Remember he said other people had told him that too. But he he would have to be aware of the fact that it wasn't his goodness that got him in, you know, because fundamentally we all reject the creator. And even if he's a kind person, if he rejects the God who made all the beauty that surrounds him, including his fiance, then that's pretty heinous. But yeah. He's made it clear to me over and over that he really, really wants to believe. But I guess through experiences of seeing some of the debauchery in this world and also issues he has biblically. So I just listen to him. I talk to him. I try yeah. to ask I can answer questions. But I really, I really need more um, Christians in the community that can work with me who are more wise and read in the Bible than myself that would be able to help folks. There's people out there who claim all the time that I've done, I've helped them and opened their hearts and all that, but I believe I could do better if I had folks like, well, yourself, Tony Sayers, Gary Steen, and uh, a few others I can think of. But as well, far as the rest really, of social media, yikes. <laughs> as far as what? As far as rest of people are in social oh. media, I don't know what to think. Yes. Um, and I think we are always wiser. In a multitude of counsel, there's wisdom, right? But at first I was like, I don't know if I have time and all this stuff. But afterwards I thought, no, Cindy, that's a really worthy cause. That's discipleship. That's evangelism. That's what we're supposed to be doing, shining the light. Um, wisdom, I was just reading the Proverbs today. It says something about she is more precious than rubies. And um, so helping people find wisdom, that's like our priority. So I, I would like to make that a priority of being on that. I didn't realize it was both Wednesday and Friday. I only knew about Wednesday. I mean, Friday. I've been trying to do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and all that, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle that. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I'm giving it a shot. 
if people start making it more clear that they want to do these things, it's usually I throw a link out and people just start piling in. <laughs> so, well, I think it's an extremely worthy um, avenue. It's, it's really cool. I really, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, this is awesome. I, I think there's a couple of comments we should answer. No, Alan Parr is not at Dinosaur Adventureland. Um, when I finished going through all the Christians at Dinosaur Adventureland looking for help and Kent wouldn't listen to any of them, I started going to other Christians in the internet community. And I saw that Alan Parr had done a YouTube video about exposing... Um, sin in the pulpit or something like that. I can't remember the name of it, but you'll see it in my YouTube channel. It has the word expose, something about why, why we're supposed to expose. And so I sent him a message. I said, would you please help me expose Kent Hovind? Would you please help me get this word out? And so he basically said, no, sorry, I can't help you. And yes, it was Alan Parr that I said. I don't understand Phoenix Storm Jr. saying gospel, so why? What does that mean? Who are you uh, talking about? Yeah, I There's, don't know what. Both of you spread the gospel, so Why? I don't know. I got a chance to speak to Phoenix in my last show. He's uh he sounds like a younger man. He's just, I think he might be like 18, 19 or something. Seems like a real nice fellow. I hope he continues to come in and chat as well. He believes in God. Yeah. Maybe he can restate the question. Brett, I really appreciate you taking the time, and um, it's been a huge pleasure. Did I? Is there anything else you wanted to go over? Mm, just if there's anything else to share on there, I uh, I pretty there's much asked everything so. that I I asked everything that appeared to be important to Christians as well as non-believers in the comment section, not only on your videos but also some of the videos that were interviews were on where you most likely didn't get an opportunity to check all those comments. So, Oh yeah. Now, generally speaking, I, I like to go on my, my YouTube comment section and reply to everybody, but you're right. I forgot for the last several weeks. Um, because Kent stole half my income, I am having to move. And when I sold John and Tanya's place, I did it with the intention of building myself a little cabin on my nine acres so that I can move out of this large house and rent it out. If my realtor told me I could rent it out for $1,300 a month, which is the exact amount Kent stole from me. And so if I can get this little cabin built, so I've been trying to coordinate with contractors and actually uh, throwing a hammer myself and hauling lumber and going to get parts that they didn't remember and 
I've been really busy. I'm trying to get it, the construction done so that I can move out of here and start my income stream because um, I just sold my income stream. And uh, I need to use that lump sum to build myself a house so that I can regenerate so that I can regenerate the income stream by renting out my large house. I don't need a three and two. So. We've got somebody out here, Mr. Storm, ask a question. He says, both of you spread the, uh, I guess he's saying the gospel in short, so why would Kent be like this? Well, first of all, uh, Cindy has a more intimate experience with Kent and this is her perspective and views that she has shared. Me, I don't know Kent Hovind personally. I've done an interview with him. I did a um, a thing where I moderated a debate, but I, I was silent heart most of the time. <laughs> I don't know him personally. Never been to Dino Land, never had an interest to go out there or anything like that. So I don't know him. I'm, I'm just hearing what's uh, what's going on here. And I can't really speculate what is in Kent's heart. It appears to be, um, well, it's obviously defense of his image. He's willing to destroy other people in order to maintain his image. And his image is basically his income stream. His donor base are Christians. So if they find out that he's behaving in these egregious ways, they will, you know, he'll, he'll be out of a job. So that's why he does these mafia behaviors in order to squelch the opposition and protect his image, a.k.a. income stream, a.k.a. other cronies, I really don't understand why he would defend Steve Lynn so much, even to the point of choosing Steve over his wife. Um, that wouldn't seem to have anything to do with Kent's image. I I don't understand. All right, but, I have an unusual question for you. Are you ready? Yep. Yeah. I've uh, I've seen uh, couples where they've had major issues with each other, but after either getting counseling or sitting down at some point in time and talking things out, sometimes people get over some of the most hardest hardships in their lives. Is there any possibility in your mind where there might be that moment where you and Kent just talk things out and things just start making sense for each other? Is that a possibility, or is it like, oh, hell no? I mean, that would only be a possibility if Kent were willing to be honest, but he is a pathological liar. And uh, I did that for a year and a half. We brought in every single person from Dinosaur Adventureland to try and mediate. They heard both sides. They would always say, well, Cindy, you can't yell. But then they would also basically say, Kent, you cannot be allowing your cronies to call her a Jezebel, a greedy bitch, a bipolar idiot, and expect her to still want to 
you know, sleep with you. Um, and then I already mentioned about the counselor. Of course, I'm the one who's asking for the counselor. And Kent Hovind completely sabotaged that and recorded the counseling session uh, behind our back. And the other detail about that was when I got, when we got home from that counseling session, he had given Steve Lynn the key to our house so that he could go in and change the lock on the spare bedroom door so that I would be locked out of the spare bedroom. When I had explicitly said, I don't want Steve to have a key to our house. I have my personal things in here and he has shown hatred towards me and he would come in and steal my computer or try to harm me in some way. I don't want him having the key. So Kent, Anyway, I got home and I'm locked out of the spare room by Steve. So the level of um, lack of integrity precludes reconciliation. And I tried. So the other alternative is, Cindy, you just allow your husband to abuse you and you just come to bed, honey, forget everything. Don't talk about it. Just obey whatever he says. And um, that's not reconciliation. And I came to believe that that was not godly. We're supposed to stand against evil, not turn our blind eye to evil. I can understand that. And if the person doing the evil is unwilling to admit it and stop it, then you're on a brick wall and your choice is to live with the evil or to leave the evil. I don't see a third option. I would have done anything to save that marriage. I loved the good Kentovind very, 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 very much, but I came to realize he was only a hologram. He was not a real. That I was married to a lie. The man I loved did not exist. And just like the example I use is like Bonnie and Clyde. If Clyde says, Bonnie, I'm going to go rob a bank. And she says, no, 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 no. We can't rob banks. It's the wrong thing to do. And he says, I'm going to rob the bank. And you're coming with me. You're going to drive the getaway vehicle. Bonnie has a choice. She obeys her husband and keeps the marriage. Or she does the right thing. And she says, I will not. One thing for sure is you've got a good taste in movies. Goodness. <laughs> you like movies? Well, are you saying that because of Gaslight? 
Well, you you brought up Gaslight, Godfather. That's a classic. Yeah. Uh, you, you brought up all these really good movies, and you uh, it's really good the way whenever you're telling something, you use analogies and all that. That's a really effective way to teach. You were a science teacher for a while there, weren't you? No, I'm a science major. I'm a geography major, and uh, I have some computer science um instruction as well but i my credential is k through eight so that is not um subject specific the k through eight teacher is multiple subject so i taught all the subjects um i never seems phoenix seems like he's really it's really important to him that Whatever happens with Kent, he wants to know that there's going to be more people out there who are going to challenge evolution. From what I've seen on your videos, you've shown genetics, DNA, and you've spoken about the flood, and you've got quite a few uh, spiritual videos up there using science to uh, prove God. So, yeah, Phoenix, I think that she's... That's probably one of the reasons why she went to uh, the dinosaur land in the first place, because she was on the level of that kind of education. Am I right, Cindy? Yeah. I had been studying it since 1989 when I first heard Henry Morris. Um, and it, for some reason, it just captivated me. When I heard him, so I told you I got saved in 84. In 89, I heard Henry Morris. And it made me just go, because when you first get saved, okay, I believe Jesus was God's son come to earth, but I'm like, what about the Bible? You know, humans wrote that. Wasn't it corrupted? How do we know what's true and what's not true? And um, so when I heard Henry Morris and Steve Austin and Dwayne Gish, they were all at that summer Institute for Creation Research it changed my life. I'm like, oh, the Bible is God's word and God's not corruptible. You can't corrupt God's word. If he can raise the dead and create something from nothing with his spoken word, he can sure maintain his word. If he's going to have a message to humanity, wouldn't that be for all generations? Yes, his message is to humanity. He's not going to allow some humans to corrupt it. Um, I do believe that there that there are Bible corruptions, like the um, Jehovah's Witness Bible. They have changed things to where it's not in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They put in one little letter, A. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. That one little letter changes the meaning. But I do believe that the um, the message is available. It's in, I believe it's in the King James. Um, so anyway... What was the question? I think I got. Now he was this, he was wondering if more people, such as yourself, were going to be taking up the mantle um, against evolution. Oh, oh, and that I would that I had been studied up on that subject. Yes, that subject 
changed my life. And I am studied up on that subject. And I did spend two years doing the science center. And, um, you know, I have a, a whole section on DNA and how do you get the whole body of scientific knowledge on DNA into pictograph form that, that kids can understand? How do you get it on only, you know, three or four or five slides? You don't have the whole entire science center, you know, so you have to do a lot of thinking about what's important, what can people understand, and how can I represent this visually so that they can grasp it? So um, I did that for day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, and then DNA. And the whole room on the fossils and a whole room on ancient man. So I have a huge, in fact, that's one of the reasons I wanted to be in this mission in the first place, because in California, I tried to share all that I learned from that uh, summer Institute for creation research. And nobody was interested. You give them a track, they throw it on the ground and say, leave me alone. Mm. But, um, so I felt like I had all this knowledge and like the Dead Sea, it only had input and it had nowhere to go. Nobody wanted to hear. And so when I came here, it's like, oh, people want to hear. I need, I, I need to talk to people who want to hear because I, I know a lot about this subject. I'm not right about everything, I'm sure, but um, I try and be careful about saying what I know and what is just what I think. But um, I can't replace Kent Hovind. I can only be me. But um, the other thing you'll notice about my channel, since uh, I've been involved, or not involved, but I've gotten, Sal Cordova interviewed me, and he's, I believe, one of the only Christians who interviewed me besides you, Brett. There might be another one that I'm forgetting and please forgive me if you're that person, but Sal kind of made it his mission to turn me on to other creationists that are annihilating evolution that are not Kent Hovind. And so the person who said we have nowhere else to go, go look on my channel because I have advocated for other really awesome science um, scientists who are like professional scientists who work with DNA, who work with um, viruses and radiometric dating for a living. And there's a ton of them on my, I'm finding more and more and more of them. Yeah. And some of them, I'm trying to upload them on my channel so that Christians do have an alternative to go to besides Kent Hovind. I think that's crucial. I think it's well, crucial. Cindy, I'm going to try to give an argument to young Phoenix Storm Jr. that I think he's going to like. This isn't an evolutionary argument. This is actually a universe argument that you will be able to use on uh, non-believers that they will not be able to refute or debunk. Are you ready? What is the definition of supernatural? I will read the definition off to you. Manifestations are events considered to be supernatural origin 
that are outside of the laws of nature. Does that sound like supernatural to you, Cindy? All right. Yeah, so, outside the laws of nature. That's right. Uh, according so, to the common belief of the universe, the universe came into existence without nature. It actually created through expansion, space, time, and nature. Therefore, the origin of the universe scientifically, not just theologically, but scientifically, is a supernatural origin because nature itself did not even exist. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And neither did the laws of nature. That's right. So it's beyond, transcends the laws of nature. The We are the conclusion of a miracle, ladies and gentlemen, and there's no way around that. See, I've been doing this for six years, but I'm getting better. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, and scientifically, nothing never turns to something. You can have a box of nothing, and it's going to be nothing for eternity. The only thing we've ever observed in science within the confounds of the universe is that life has always had a parent to it. It's always had something before it. The only way you can get out of infinite regression is that there was a time where there was no time, space, or anything, which the Big Bang describes. So the Big Bang can actually be used as an argument for in the beginning, there was God. Explosion or not doesn't matter. It just matters that God created space, time, and matter, which, by the way, Genesis describes. Actually, you're right. I mean, when God said, let there be light, there probably was an explosion. However, the difference is, if you say the Big Bang, the difference between that and the Bible is the Big Bang is trying to say that the explosion happened without God. That never happens. Yeah, it's what they're claiming about everything coming from nothing that's absolute nonsense. There's never been once in our existence where spontaneous generation has ever been observed. However, I can take any of you to any hospital out there and you will see that it involves a pregnant woman in order to have a child. You got to have a parent. There is no nothing to something. That's magic, folks. <laughs> you know, it's very interesting. And they will say that we are wrong for believing in something that we cannot see. And yet they are believing in something that clearly has never been seen. It's known to be non-existent. It's non-existent for something to spontaneously abiogenesis, which I believe is exactly why they're trying to say nowadays that that's not part of the evolutionary theory. Because they know um, they have to avoid that subject. When I was in school, um, it was part of the evolutionary theory. Well, another problem, and I don't notice a lot of uh, anti-evolutionists using these arguments a whole lot. I've heard a couple people try on one of them. But the evolution actually goes against two observable laws that are observable, such as the second law of thermodynamics states that everything breaks down. It's called entropy. The reason why you age, the reason why we see rust and things fall apart is because it's going into disorder. Evolution claims that information is being brought into the atomical structure of a creature, animal, us. 
building arms and legs where there didn't used to be. Well, that goes against the second law of thermodynamics. It also and goes against a, what we see. Yeah. Evolution claims evolution's added, but entropy, which we can observe on a daily basis, goes completely against it. You see? Yes, and I've heard people say that we shouldn't use that word about the second law of thermodynamics, but I don't really understand that because what you said is exactly true. And I had pictures in the science center of um, things rotting, things decaying. Um, what happens when something dies? It decomposes. So we have examples of things going downhill, but we don't have examples of of information being added to the genetics there's even a thing since you're into genetics and dna then you probably heard not only is there the second law of thermodynamics entropy but there's genetic entropy because the universe is expanding as the bible describes it's literally gradually pulling us apart and that is one of the reasons why we get saggy and unbeautiful as we get, you know, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff is because of it. Now, there are some atheists out there who will say, oh, but entropy is supposed to only happen in a closed-in area. Well, the fact that you see people age, the fact that you've seen rust and rot and decay is entropy at work, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry, but it's, it's just not going to fly. And even if you don't call it entropy or the law of thermodynamics regardless of what you call it um things are falling apart things are and in fact one of the people that i have really come to be amazed by that's an alternative on my channel to kent hoven his name is dr james tour dr james tour he's a geneticist and he has a book called Genetic Entropy. And he talks about how um, mutations are actually making us break down in age. And every generation is like, I don't know the number, but let's say you've got 100 more mutations than your parents had. So you've got the 100 mutations that your parents had, and then you've got 100 more of your own. And um, which I think that I've seen the person that you're talking about, and I think one mm -hmm. of the arguments that they do is is solid. The argument is is that as we make copies of ourselves, these carbon copies, which we call our children, there's more and more mutations, and mutations are usually defined as errors, our mistake, and the code. Well, the yeah. more this happens the more we're going to have more disabilities, people not being able to reproduce, more barren people that cannot uh, be able to have offspring. And if that is the case, then that also is a definite clear indication of genetic entropy and disorder and flies in the face of the idea of information coming in to create the equivalent of evolution. So, yeah. I bet Cindy's well, like, my goodness, we've been talking about all this weird stuff. You guys are coming out of the crazy stuff. <laughs> well, even just as a teacher, um, I've lived through where they have dumbed down the SATs. 
um, humans as a rule, at least in America, are getting dumber. It used to be if you had a sixth grade education, that was like a college education. And if you go back way even farther, like into Bible times, they used to full on memorize. The Bible was handed down orally. You and I couldn't memorize a whole book of the Bible. And um, like the, the pyramid. same with the Jews and the Muslims. They were taught to memorize their Torah as well as the Quran. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're becoming um, dumber. Jim Carrey, dumb and dumber for sure. And I also noticed that my children were getting less and less healthy. There were more peanut allergies. I had a girl that she had an anaphylactic shock reaction to pineapple. Um, just our immune systems are, are breaking down. They're not getting stronger. We're not creating new immunity. We're losing the immunity that we were originally capable of. And even if you go back into um, archaeology from ancient man, um, the pyramids, Machu Picchu, Tiwanaku, these amazing buildings that we have no idea how they moved massive stones like that. So ancient man was not a caveman. He was not a Neanderthal. He was not a knuckle walker. He was not half ape. He was way more advanced than we are again we're going down we're not evolving we, up cindy i think the guy that you mentioned that's on your channel i think one of his other arguments is a, a damn fine argument as well where he states that if we did exist for a hundred million years or or a little bit under that the problem is is that there would have been so many mistakes and errors at that point there's no way we'd be here now. We'd, we'd be, be dead. Yeah, we'd be done. And as yes. far as there being so many things on the earth for billions of years, it should be to the point where when you walk out of your door, you should be tripping over damn bones if, <laughs> if we're around that long. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Are you no, loving well, it? It's good stuff. Yes. 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 And there's all kinds of studies like that. It's simply amazing how much evidence there is for creation when you get exposed to it. Just do a Google search. Like, take whatever question you've got. Like, um, what about the experiments where they supposedly created life in a test tube? Google it and look for the opposing views. Even if you look at the opposition, the so-called peer-reviewed papers where they say, yeah, we created DNA in a test tube, and then look at the, cre the creationist opposition where it says, no, you created black tar. DNA, even if you could produce it, it has a shelf, -like, a shelf life shorter than milk. If you leave milk out on a counter, not refrigerated, it rots in hours, and that's what DNA is like. Well, there is another thing, too, Cindy. I don't know if you've ever seen it from this perception. But even if a bunch of awesome scientists went into a lab and they created life, they were able to create something that was even sentient, whether it be a technological or organic or biological, doesn't that mean that it took an intelligent mind to create that thing in the first place? So either way, we win. We win. I'm sorry. Where's my brownie? <laughs> 
want a brownie. Yeah, I could use one right now. I'm hungry. <laughs> I mean, scientists are more than welcome to stand around and stare at a mud puddle and see if anything happens. I hear it takes a couple billion years, but hey, be patient, right? It's incredible. It's really incredible when you listen to some of the things that they believe. That thing that you showed with um, Richard Dawkins and Lawrence Krauss talking about, well, it wasn't nothing. Uh, the It wasn't philosophical nothing. It was just, <laughs> you listen to them. It's like, how can they even... Uh, you want to see one of my new ones? I've got a couple new ones, but I, you want to see something real quick? It's funny. Okay. Here you go. This is, uh, I believe this is Stephen Hawking. You know who he is, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Awesome. Yeah, this was an atheist that everybody considered a genius. He was pretty smart. I totally respect him. But listen to what he said here. Scientists were still instinctively opposed to the idea that the universe had a beginning. They felt that a point of creation would be a place where the laws of science broke down, and one had to appeal to religion and the hand of God to determine how the universe would start off. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. This result upset many physicists, but it delighted those religious leaders who believed in an act of creation. For here it seemed, was scientific proof. This discovery, was one of the most important in the history of science. So there you go, you got Stephen Hawking himself saying that the science points towards God. I couldn't, I couldn't follow that. Well, he was talking about what we talked about earlier, about the universe having a beginning. It was originally a priest that came up with the Big Bang, and then he showed his math and his work to Einstein, which they confirmed the universe had a beginning. Stephen Hawking, he comes along, he checks the math again, and he's real popular for being so good at it that he was able to establish that Einstein and the priest who originally came up with the Big Bang was right. Well, he's telling you in the video, I know it's hard to hear him because he sounds kind of like one of those, um, you know, his voice is like that. But he's explaining that scientists were really concerned that if he proved mathematically the universe had a beginning, which he did, that they, they knew that religious people would go towards God, that it would, it would be indication scientifically that there is a God. And he knew that. But and yet he was still an atheist? Yeah, but he he um, <clears throat> he had his moments of honesty. So did Carl Sagan. On some days, Carl Sagan would appeal to the idea that there's a higher power, a conscious mind in the universe. But other days, he would dump on it all. Okay. You know what? That Remember I was talking about the cognitive dissonance? That's probably... how they influence so many, I don't know. 
You know that verse in James that says, he that doubts is like the shifting waves. Let not that man think that he will receive anything of the Lord. Something like that. Um, Inconsistency is, is one of the marks of being wrong. I don't know. I can't figure out what I'm trying to say, but. I think that there's um, there's a lot of people out there who claim to be non-believer or atheist where they're suppressing, but they have a lot of anger. They feel a lot of sadness, death, tragedy, some of the, the, stu- the stuff we experience in this world. It's hard on people, and sometimes they suppress their belief in God. I think that a lot of these people, and I've asked over a thousand atheists during my shows, do you believe in the possibility of God? And I, almost every single one of them said, yeah, I'd have to be intellectually honest. There's a possibility. And I said, well, doesn't that go in the face of lacking a belief in deities if you do believe in the possibility? I think that most of them are more agnostic or somewhat towards theism. Yeah, I've come up with or I've come across several different reasons for it. One of which, like what you were saying, they've had someone die and they shake their fist at God or um, abuse. They feel it's inconsistent to preach freedom. But then if you make the wrong choice, you go to hell. I recently heard that one. Um, Yeah, they feel it's unfair, but even that, that's kind of weird too. You ever heard this Cindy where they, They'll say, how come God doesn't do something? And then they'll turn around in the same breath and say, when God does do something, why does he do it so extreme? So God's kind of damned if you do, damned if he don't. If he does do something, he was mean about it. (laughs) If he doesn't do something, he's mean because he didn't do something. So that's how they they get themselves in the circular logic is what it's called. Well, and also it doesn't give God any credit. And um, it's like, if he's God, and he created this beautiful place, then isn't it okay if we don't understand how he does things? Our brain is like this. His brain is like this. One thing I really liked what Kent Hovind used to say, I love a lot of his sayings. He said, Let's say you know half of everything. Is it possible that God exists in the other half that you don't know? That's a good point. I love that one. I think we need to teach younger Christians, this is just my thought, we should teach people that it's okay to be sad. It's okay to question. The Bible does not teach against it. Asking you shall receive, knocking you shall open. God wants us to question. There's going to be pain. That's the way this world is, and that's the consequence of free will and choice. I had a whole section in the Science Center on that. Um, in day five, where God made the swimming things, uh, kids love sharks. And I had a whole section on sharks. And it's like, why does God put these mean creatures that eat other things? 
And if God is good, why is there evil? And so we would talk about that. And, you know, I'm always surprised that sometimes sometimes you'll get the response from Christians who come to the Science Center and they will be in awe and very much helped by understanding that God didn't intend it to be this way. God did not create death. God created um, the Garden of Eden where there was no death and that death was the consequence. In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And um, that everything was vegetarian until after the flood in Genesis 9, I think, is where God said, now that now you may eat meat as well as vegetables. But I'm surprised that many atheists have heard that. They've heard our argument and they don't find it helpful. So I don't know really what to do with that, but there are answers. And I don't I don't know why they help some people and not others. From what I've noticed when talking to non-believers, when you bring up the creation account and what happened, they uh, a lot of people are very absorbed into what has happened to them in modern days. You know, like uh, I've I had an atheist who said that his sister hung herself, and this is what he's thinking about. So trying to tell him that something that happened thousands of years ago or millions of years ago with the choices mankind made somehow affected what's happened to them in modern day, it offends them. It, it pisses them off. Yeah. I think one thing we need to remind people is it didn't take Adam and Eve to make the choice. Mankind makes the same choice every day that they exist, even now. Yeah, and we would have made the same choice in all likelihood. We do every single day. I had one woman actually tell me, I wouldn't have eaten the apple, so why should I be in trouble? <laughs> it's not about an apple or a banana or a cherry, ladies and gentlemen. It's about simply choosing not to obey God. That's actually, the whole point. Yes, we were talking about that when you were in the potty. Um, it's actually choosing not to believe God. Not just to obey, but believe they believed that Satan was telling the truth, that if they ate the fruit, they'd be wise. So they ate it. Instead of believing God, who said, no, don't eat the fruit, you'll die. They they believed Satan that it would make him wise. Isn't that and a kind of interesting distinction between obey and believe? That is correct. Cindy, I'm more than willing to talk to you for as long as you like. But I, I am going to let you know again on uh, Wednesday and Friday, I'm going to attempt to make a public room where people can come in, ask questions, and talk. Love to okay. have you. It's up to you at this point whenever you're ready for me to drop the hammer on the show and, and turn it off. Yeah, okay. It's probably been a long time. Do you have a, a time? Oh, three and a half hours? Are you kidding me? Well, time goes by when you're having fun, you know. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Maybe I hope it wasn't too much of a downer for y'all. I guess it's therapeutic for me to be able to talk to somebody who believes me. So mm -hmm. if that's fun, I guess that's a 
cathartic fun or sick kind well, of I'm a not, fun? I, I wasn't just wanting to do an interview with you and, and hear all this. I also was hoping that you would be cheered up and that you would feel like there's somebody there for you and you'd see that people are supportive. People do love you and care about you. Not just to bring you in and have you carry a bunch of bricks, but maybe feel good before you leave kind of thing. Yeah. Is that cool? And I like that we got to talk about science, too, and evangelism and the Lord and all kinds of good stuff. Well, you so, seem yes. like you're a little bit brighter now. You seem like you got more of a smile. It's nice yes. to see there's some happiness there. Yes. I hope Thank that you, you continue to return. You sound like you have a lot to be able to uh, give people, offer. Um, I want to respond to the question that just popped up. I think it's Phoenix again. I can't see the top. Of course, honey. Well, and I don't necessarily feel like my mission is to fight evolution necessarily, but to fight anything and everything that is a block for people's believing. I have been thinking about this a lot because Kent's is very specifically creation versus evolution, but I feel like a big component of the atheist community is uh, if God is good, why suffering? And to be able to respond to those issues and not just the science or even the veracity of the Bible, the different translations, um, anything that can keep people thinking that God's not the, the way, you know. For me, Cindy, I don't see it for myself as a person fighting against science or evolution. I, I do what I do to glorify God, one. But number two, I admire science. I believe that God gave us science. And I don't want corruption being in something that's such an honorable institution. I believe that evolution, a lot of it is a lie, a fraud, and, and made to just be profitable off of people. That's why I question it. And I think in order for science to continue to grow and get better, it needs people like us that question it. And I believe that our children need to be able to think critically. They need to be able to d discern, hey, what that teacher just said isn't true. That's not the way the world really works. And I believe our children are being brainwashed and it's shocking and dismaying to me to see that they're not able to think sometimes. Um, so, yeah. These folks will be asking you questions all night if you let them. You sure you don't want me to pull the hammer just yet and then return on Wednesday and Friday? Yeah, we should probably pull the hammer. Should we pray before we go out? Sure. Heavenly Father, again, we just uh, thank you for this opportunity and we pray that uh, somebody was encouraged or blessed or prevented from being harmed. And... Um, Lord, drawn to you, that they do not put their faith in a human like Kent or Ravi, but that their faith is solidly in you, and they know that humans are fallible and full-on 
wretches. Thank you for your grace. Um, you're the only righteousness that we can come before you with. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your son and your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Your turn. Well, here comes the outro. Amen. <laughs> We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio hosted by Brett Keen. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless.